0: Tonight's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on The Ringer Podcast Network, brought to you by DAZN. What a weekend for DAZN. If there was ever a weekend to have DAZN, it was this weekend. Andy Ruiz Jr. beats Anthony Joshua 12 to 1, 11 to 1, depending on where you got an underdog. I would say it was the greatest moment in DAZN history. And if you didn't have it, boy, do you feel dumb. Smart TVs, tablet, mobile gaming consoles, you can set up on any device. Go to DAZN.com. Or download the DaZone app in the Apple or Android store. Create an account. Start watch across any of your devices. We're gonna talk about Kevin. We're gonna talk to Kevin Clark about that fight a little bit later. I feel like we're in the front row of DaZone. It's a thing now. Kyle, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. That was floor, a real baby. fight. Ground floor, baby. Twitter was going nuts for it. I mean, it's been a thing all over the world, but America, here we go. DaZone. D-A-Z-N dot Check it out. Uh, we're also brought to you by ringer.com, the world's greatest website, where yet again in the month of May, we had our best month ever. We keep doing it every month. We, we break whatever our record was for the website and for the podcast network. Uh, it's going great. Thank you for spreading the uh, word. Thank you for the support. And thanks to everybody who reached out. as our three-year anniversary for the website on, uh, on June 1st. So uh, thanks to everybody behind the scenes and uh, all the writers and all the hosts and everybody else that we have. This is hard. It's hard to launch something. It's hard to build it. And, uh, and it's gone really well so far. So thanks to everybody out there. And thanks for spreading the word for us. Coming up, we're going to talk to Joe House about game two. We're going to talk to Kevin Clark about the Ruiz-Joshua fight. And we're going to talk to um, Jacko, my old buddy, because the Yankees are kicking the Red Sox ass. He called me out on Twitter. He said he said I was ducking him. Um, we're going to do all that. Before we get to Pearl Jam, want to mention new Ringer podcast feed. It's called Ringer Dish. You can subscribe right now on iTunes, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's what we did. We took Jam Session, and we took Tea Time, which are uh, two delightful podcasts on Channel 33 about celebrity culture. We have moved them to Ringer Dish. They are going to be going every week. We also are going to have a new Monday podcast on that feed as well. And it's going to be the home for for realsies, Kyle. Uh- Come check it out, y'all. Yeah, Zoe Simmons. Probably like every three to four weeks, weighing in on teen culture. This is not nepotism. She's actually just really good she at doing podcasts. Uh, so we taped one of those too next week, or this week, starting on Tuesday. Every single day, we'll have a new Ring or Dish podcast, including Four reelsies with my daughter. But that is launching for real, no pun intended, on Tuesday. You can subscribe right now. Please do. iTunes, Spotify, Google wherever you get your pods, do it, ring or dish. All right, here we go. Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this part of the podcast about eight o'clock Pacific time. The Warriors just held off the Raptors. Game two, going back to Golden State now. One one, House. How will you remember this game forty years from now? It's the boogie game. <laughs> boogie! He's back. Didn't didn't we just say three days ago on this podcast how they made such a huge mistake playing him in Game one? Wow. Of
1: course, this is this is overreaction podcast. Bill Simmons.
0: Yeah. He. It's funny. He started the game. Wasn't crazy about it. He didn't look great but i thought uh he really made a difference especially when looney went out and kind of changed a little bit of what the raptors wanted to do which was funny cuz it never seemed like he was running more than half speed right it was like watching us play pickup
1: i do think he looked a lot more comfortable with the speed though
0: yeah true i agree
1: with you that he wasn't he wasn't personally like moving any faster no. but he was comfortable with the speed of the guys going around him as opposed to what we observed in, uh, on Thursday night.
0: Yeah, he looked like, it was almost like watching Moses when Moses was on the Wizards, when Moses just had the one speed he was going, and that, or not the Wizards, the uh, bullets. When he just had that one yeah, speed, he was half speed the whole time. Um, a lot of subplots to unpack in this game. First of all, the Warriors basically, at halftime, you, me, and Sal, we might have a little action on the Warriors in this series. And there was a lot of, what do we do? Raps have a big lead. It's not looking good. And I am on the record with the text to you guys saying, I think this is done. The, the Raptors are up five at halftime. They did not get a single call. The refs were really the uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth men in that first half. And I just thought the Raps were going to blow them out. Then the Warriors come out and do their classic old school 18 and nothing run, which really set the tone. And yet, when Clay went down, and who knows when he comes back? It really it really looked dark there for the Warriors. I think they were up eight to 10, but it was just Curry was the only guy who could create his own shot on the court. They weren't creating stuff really at all for Cousins other than he was the Bill Walton type passer. What was your mindset? I sound like Doris Burke. House, what was your mindset up 10 <laughs> with eight minutes left?
1: <laughs> well, well, Doris, I have to tell you, um, it felt like... Golden State, even with you know various guys getting hurt and being out, and the boxing one that Toronto put on them, mm. it wasn't until the the three point play that Kawhi had with the technical, with the technical, the two yeah. free throws, yes, yeah, that I thought for for half a second, you know that this the Warriors just may let this slip through their fingers uh, because their role guys played with such confidence. Whatever uh, Iggy took between the, the leg injury Thursday night and the, and the game tonight, he, he made the first two baskets after halftime to get them going on that 18-0 run. And then he made the last basket of the game. So really it was the the. He made Iggy three game. baskets. And, and, and they were the biggest baskets, I would say. But the, the, across the board, the Quinn Cook, Sean Livingston had a much better game. And the, um, the basketball IQ of the Warriors, we are reminded of it once again. That's what distinguishes them. They took advantage of the pressure that Toronto was putting out on the perimeter and all of those alley-oops at the rim. Bogut was the beneficiary of it. Draymond had a couple alley-oops. He both passed alley-oops and, and executed them. And, and, and uh, uh, Boogie as well. All of that taking advantage, like, basically inside the half court, uh, you know, breaking down that pressure and get to the basket with little two-on-ones, little three-on-ones, and having, you know, effectively alley-oop layups. That, that was the thing to me that, that made this feel like, you know, Golden State kind of had control of the game.
0: Agree. The Raptors were a little too overzealous on D, especially with uh, the guys who weren't, like, the big-time shot creator dudes. And they were getting beat on those little backdoor alley oop but it always seemed like they were scrambling because something bad had happened. I thought that was one reason they lost. I thought the other reason was they just missed a lot of a lot of open looks over and over and over again. I felt like I don't know what the open look number was for this game, but it felt like a lot. There was one big moment, I think it was in the late in the second quarter where Norman Powell had a three, and if he made it they would have gone up fourteen. And he missed it. And then the Warriors brought, came right back down and Clay made a three. And I was saying to Nephew Kyle, six-point swing. And there were, there were a couple moments like that in this game where either the Raps didn't have that. It was like the opposite of game one. They didn't have that shot to push them over the hump the other way. And then when they needed a basket, even that last minute, remember, remember before Danny Green hit that three, they missed like two shots. There was that other sequence near the end where Kawhi kept getting offensive rebounds and they just kept missing. Yep they yeah. uh, i thought that if you just looked at who was on the court once clay went out they definitely had more talent on the court you know and well, they just this, couldn't this get over the hump we
1: i was we've been wondering so the raptors shot 37% and that stretch at the beginning of the third quarter is like the first quarter of basketball that toronto has had that kind of punch in the mouth where they've missed a bunch, they miss a bunch of shots all in a row Yeah, in like four games. Yeah, they look tight. This was, they won five games in a row coming into tonight. And through the first half, they those, all those role guys still had that sort of swagger, that home swagger that, you know, we belong here. We think we can win this game kind of swagger. And the, the punch in the mouth was like a few consecutive missed shots at the beginning of the third quarter, and it snowballed, and they did battle back. I mean, credit to them, and it, and it did take Clay getting hurt, and it did take a little bit of defensive innovation with the boxing one they put on Curry.
0: I'm, yeah, that was I'm, fun. We don't, I've always liked the boxing interested. one, as you know.
1: Well, I, I want to know. I can't tell from the stats because we're doing this like right after the game ended, but I want to know what time in the game Steph Curry made his last basket. Because it feels like it was play like eight-minute mark in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, they... You yeah, no, you, it, that's what they it was score. exactly. It was it 106-94 was with, like, six minutes left, and then they didn't score yeah. again until that last Iggy shot. It was a rock right. fight. This was not an NBA Hardwood Classics type of game. It definitely uh, was pretty ugly. It was dramatic. I thought the crowd got a little nervous. You could kind of feel the energy shift. I thought... To me, I thought the energy shifted in the first half because even though I'm looking at the the stats, and the Warriors had 26 fouls and the Raptors had 22, that did not. That's the final result of the fouls. That did not reflect kind of the the feel of that first half, where I thought the Warriors got away with a lot, especially the way they were defending Kawhi. They were really, really, really physical with him, and they just established it from the get go. And they did the thing that we thought they were going to do after game one, which was um, not worry as much about taking out Kawhi, worry about the other guys. I didn't think they would be as physical as they were with Kawhi, but you and I both, we were texting during the first half, had a little bit of a late 90s, early 2000s Dick Bavetta kind of feel. Did you feel that? Just a whiff, (laughs) a little Bavetta-ish whiff to the festivities?
1: it, it, it did a uh, couple moments where it felt like Toronto might just bust loose. The, the Warriors did get a fortuitous call or two. It felt like, what do I know? Couple, like a couple of r-
0: little random touch, fi- touch fouls out of nowhere. I was like, Oh, but you know, we had the Scott Foster, Tony brothers, Ed Malloy crew, which yes. is either going to, it's going to mean something. You just don't know what, but I would say the Warriors <laughs> got a very fair whistle tonight. And you know, the, the the other break that they got, it, and the announcers kind of glossed over this, the very last play that led to the Iggy three, they trapped Curry. It seemed like they were kind of half fouling him. The refs weren't calling it. And then he threw the Gerald Henderson to, to the, the James Worthy, Gerald Henderson steal pass, that floater across the court. And it looked like Kawhi was going to pick it off. And uh, Livingston got it. But it, if you watch it, it looked like Kawhi had the lead on the ball. You know what play I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I had the exact same reaction. I thought,
0: oh, that's a turnover. Yeah, and I, I don't understand. That I'm watching the, re- the showing replays right now on uh, on my TV as we're talking. I don't understand how Kawhi didn't get that. In fact, I think he would have been my first draft pick to get that steal on that play because it was basically a 50-50 ball, but he had a slight, slight lead on it, and he had the long-ass arms. And if he had gotten it, I think it would have been a layup. So... It was just one of those nights for for the raps, but you noticed it too, right? It had a little Worthy Henderson feel. Sure, absolutely. And and speaking of going backwards, um, when Clay went down, it started to get a little '89 Lakers, '87 Celtics ish. With <laughs> are the Warriors going to pass the point of no return with these injuries? Because and we saw Clay kicked his leg out. It looked like Danny Green fouled him, but they showed a different replay, and it turned out he didn't. And then you could tell something was wrong because he kept like trying to shake it out. And then like eight, nine plays later, it looked like he was really hurt. They showed him after the game, he had ice on his hamstring. But you're talking if he's not ready for game three, I from what I've heard, I don't think KD's gonna be ready either. Game three is gonna be Wednesday. And then yeah. uh and then Curry should be healthier than what he was. But you know, if you remember the eighty nine Lakers, this is what happened. Just too many injuries. Probably well, that, that anyway. we'll
1: know if because I, I was shocked by how much bounce Iggy had. Yeah. Maybe he was uh, like uh, preserving energy or whatever. I just thought his legs looked way better. He was a lot more bouncier, active than I anticipated. With the way you know he was down at the end of of uh, game one, and then M- MRI, and it's like Jesus. So you know, this is the way that the Warriors are going to lose. And at some point we've been saying all over all these years, they've had a pretty great run of health. Um, yes. And, and, you know, o- over the, the entirety of the five-year span here, and obviously the depth of, of, you know, KD superstar, when you have a bunch of superstars, guys can go down and you can withstand it. But this was really a, a testament to the queen cooks and the Andrew Bogut's and you know looney had a couple good minutes while he was in there you know battling and then got the hurt. he made a huge shot yeah i mean they, they they still have these guys stepping up and i just think that the collective basketball iq of that team and their ability to to adjust and respond to stuff um i they they played a hand in helping toronto miss all those buckets at the beginning of the third quarter and it he, wasn't just open looks that toronto was missing
0: yeah they still I wasn't positive they would have this without Durant against a really, really good team on the road, but they still have that six minutes of, of greatness in them. Now, if, was, if Thompson hurt, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it, it was wasn't just,
1: an avalanche of three, like we're used to with them. And
0: D and, and, and guys and D, just really, really just assert say. themselves. You left out one yeah. person when you're a all different people, Steve Kerr, really this whole playoffs has been awesome. And I thought, uh, even that Houston series, the desperation that they just played with from that first game, like he wasn't fucking around that series, you know I think from from that Quipper series, I think was a little eye opening for everybody, but from that game one of that rocket series where it was clear he was like i'm I'm just not sitting back and rolling it out like we're trying stuff, we're doing stuff, we're trying weird lineups um we're gonna try weird defensive stuff, we're just going for it." And they've had that mentality now for five, six weeks. What's cool is he's putting people in, like like Bogut was in big moments who didn't even play in game one, you know? And he sat Jordan Bell. He's really um, seasoned Cook to the point that, is Quinn Cook good? It kind of feels like Quinn Cook might be good. He, he's,
1: he's good on this team Yes, with this concept. With with you know understanding what's expected of him, getting to the spot like so many times he was the release valve as they rotated around, and he had good looks because the defense couldn't couldn't scramble around to him. And Toronto obviously made the the defensive judgment that that's like they're going to live with Quinn Cook taking those shots. Yeah, and if he shoots three for five from three pointer like he did, sixty percent for three, then he's going to be a difference maker. Twenty one minutes. And you know, nine points uh, with with three threes—that that that makes a difference.
0: And then uh, I love the way they use Draymond defensively in this game. One of the things they didn't—that I don't think basketball teams do enough—is switch stuff up during the game. Where sometimes t- they'll make the adjustments, and then that's just here. Here's what we're doing for game two. And they use Draymond. They had him on Kawhi sometimes. Other times they would put him on a non-shooter and just have him yeah. do the free safety thing. And it really d- depended on the feel, of what was going on, how they were using them. Look, this was, you, you know, we're now in year six of the Iggy Clay Steph, all these dudes in the same team. Year five with Kerr, and they've had a lot of big wins. This one's weirdly way up there, because, you know, especially when Clay goes down with ten minutes left. But you think like it almost felt like Toronto was going to blow them out at a couple points in the second quarter there. Nobody really played well for them. I guess, I guess Boogie was the only one you would say would overachieve. Curry didn't. You know, he he had no points there for a quarter or plus. Ended with twenty three. Didn't have a great game. Clay was good. Is it going to come out that he's sick? Is he sick? Yeah, he's sick. But I, I think at this point, every, there's something wrong with everybody. Draymond was yeah. had just an awesome all around game, but he wasn't. It wasn't like he made seven threes or anything. It was just He's still
1: the, the turnovers driving me bananas. I know, I and he had a
0: couple of dumb outlets and all that. But it's like I you can't said, take that. The star of the game was the uh, the collective hoops IQ, and then to let uh, that last sequence and Iggy—that's why you have dudes like that. And that's exactly that leads right. me to the quick Iggy conversation I wanted to have. I I just think he's going to end up being in the Hall of Fame. I think he is. You know, what What guys like Michael Cooper and Big Shot Rob and all these dudes over the years. I
1: was just going to, that's right. Is
0: Big Shot Rob in the Hall of Fame? He's not, but he should be. I I tried to make the case for my book. He's not. But I think the difference with Iggy was that he had this whole half of his career before. I talked about this last week a little (laughs) on the pod about, you know, he's a franchise guy for seven, eight years there and putting up big minutes and stuff like that. He had a good year in Denver he's been on the Warriors now six years. I think he's going to go down. When we talk about the iconic role players in playoff history, he has to be on the first wave of guys you would throw out from, you know, from the last 60 years of basketball. Um, you uh, go like, you know, Havlicek early before he became a superstar and a starter. And then you go into the seventies and you go like Paul Silas is a six man who finished games and, just these great, almost like overqualified role guys. He's been one of the better examples. If you look at his basketball reference page, he hasn't averaged 10 points a game in six years since the Denver season. He has never averaged 10 10 points a game with the Warriors in six years, but he's fine with it. And the great thing about him is he'll guard the best guy on the other team. He knows who he is. He always makes the right play. Doesn't try to do anything he can't do. And over and over again, he's made shots like tonight. And you know, I, I think everybody's going to get in the Hall of Fame, so the Hall of Fame has become stupid. And it, begin, <laughs> and it was stupid ten years ago when I wrote my book trying to blow it up. But uh, I think he's.
1: I mean, Mitch Richmond's in the Hall of Fame. I think yeah. I, if Mitch Richmond can be in the Hall of Fame, I'm pretty sure Iggy could be in.
0: Yeah, well, he's if if there's some sort of playoff Hall of Fame, he's definitely on that first wave. But he, where does he rank for you, for the for the all time great, role guys on a great team? Who'd you put? Him I'm like? having a
1: hard time because he's a starter, and he's been a starter since he arrived. So I don't think of starters as role guys necessarily. He's a he's he's absolutely at the like very guts of the identity of this team. You know, the top rung is Draymond and Clay and Steph, but Iggy is such a like critical, crucial component, a crew, a crucial ingredient, an ingredient without which stew would be tasteless. It would mm. be a bad stew. You, you would be, you would say, oh, this this stew, it's got a lot of parts, but it needs something to really give it some oomph. Where's the umami? <laughs> Biggie is the umami. Well, this is, the, so, I mean, is Joe Dumars a role player? No, That's no, no. Jody, he was of. too
0: good. I think it's, it's like the Big Shot Rob, right? Where Big Shot Rob was not a role player. He was Usually like the third or fourth best guy on whatever team he was on for a while there anyway. But But
1: Big Shot Rob never had a portion of his career like Iggy that's had the where thing. he was the the guy. That's the like, thing. Iggy's had two careers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say Dennis Johnson, but he's he was too good. I mean, he was playing forty minutes a game and the league was a lot uh lot thinner back then. So you could have you know, a starting five wasn't like what we'd have with a starting five now. The thing with him that I don't think he gets enough credit for. Remember, he he gets traded to Denver. He's a, he's a free agent. Everybody assumed he was going back to Denver. And he signed with Golden State. And at the time, it was surprising. And it was also kind of a declaration by them that they were ready to become a real team. Remember? And then that led to the next year. It was Clay, Draymond wasn't Draymond yet. Bogut was still there. Curry was rounding into what he would eventually become. And Andre was the, was the guy that made them seem credible. And that led to 2014. They had the great series against the Clips and that I think seasoned them for the next year, but he's been there the whole time. Finals MVP. I, you know, I, I never feel great when the best guy, you really have to have a shit series not to win the finals MVP if you're the best guy in my opinion. But it's on his resume and it's great. He's he's gets to stay his finals MVP for the rest of his life. So uh a really great, great, great non superstar, I think would be the legacy for him, right?
1: I will go along with that. Yeah. That's a good description. Or super great non superstar. A great
0: non superstar. And I wonder like yeah. you know, he's somebody that New Mobby. And I, I think Bosch was A great semi-superstar but like but was had to do a lot of the iggy stuff when he was on those uh lebron wade teams he had a bigger workload he got more shots he was a better player than iggy is frankly but um but same thing you know somebody sacrificed a lot to um to be part of something more special i guess the the cutoff line is is probably Bosch. I th- I think he's too good, and Gasol I think is another one who sacrificed a lot. Is
1: Bosch going to make the Hall of Fame?
0: I mean, he should. Hey, he, Mitch Richmond's in. Once Mitch Richmond got in, it's like, were you good? You're in. Congratulations, you're all <laughs> you of Famer.
2: You know that's my
1: argument. <laughs> you're, your dude that's Anton Jameson's
0: going to make it. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. No, he is. He's going to make it. He scored twenty thousand points. I
1: can't. I can't abide it. He, I mean, he, the the baseline that he gave up to LeBron. I'll never forgive it.
0: Um oh it was
1: the Wizards. Go ahead.
0: Quick break and we're and then we're going to continue. You know how hard it is to find a new job. Look at Bookie Cousins. He couldn't even find a team last summer. Thought he was going to the Lakers. Nope. Couldn't go back to the Pelicans. What was he going to do? Ends up taking, I think, one year, five million to go to the Warriors. Now he might get a ring. That's a good case scenario. There's bad case scenarios too. Well, But if you had your own personal recruiter to help you find a better job, ZipRecruiter's technology can do that for you. Download the ZipRecruiter job search app. Let it know what kind of jobs you're interested in. Its technology starts doing the work. The app finds jobs you'll like. Put your profile in front of employers who may be looking for someone like you. If an employer likes your profile, ZipRecruiter lets you know. So if you're interested in the job, you can apply. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated job search app. My listeners should download the free ZipRecruiter job search app today. Let the power of technology work for you. Don't wait. The sooner you download the free ZipRecruiter job search app, the sooner it can help you find a better job. And speaking of downloads, don't forget, Ringer dish. Subscribe right now on Apple. And you can get it when we start putting up new podcasts up there. On Tuesday, it is going to be the world's premiere, Celebrity Culture Feed. So it's also a place to find for realsies every mm-hmm. once in a while too. Yeah. Uh, all right, back to house. <laughs> we had to give House a minute to take a breath after finding out <laughs> Antoine Jameson is Antoine gonna make the offer. How is. dare you? I'll tell you another thing. Glenn Rice eventually might make it if this keeps going the way it goes. <laughs> he really was the ninety seven stats were unparalleled. I don't get to there's gonna be a world where Jalen makes it. I'm starting to talk myself into it. <laughs> Three years at Michigan. The whole well, NBA look, career had countdown. I don't know. Simply. I don't have
1: any problem with the I'm I'm not I'm being serious, uh for ten seconds. If you want to put the Fab five into the NBA Hall of Fame, I mean the the basketball hall of fame. Yeah. I'm sorry, not the NBA what I, I'm for that. What what they ushered in, uh, in terms of, you know, a, a, a cultural change, a a a, a Kind of player empowerment thing, like it's it, it's a controversial uh, uh, kind of era. But I I definitely credit those guys with with a lot of you know opening up some eyes to what college basketball is all about, like laying bare the some of the underbelly of of, of college basketball. And you know the what they did stylistically, culturally, the impact that they had is indelible and will go on forever. If you want to put him in the Hall of Fame, I'm good with it.
0: Well, I, at the very least, Seaweb should be in as a representative of all of them. And nobody has a more complicated relationship with Seaweb than you do, but having had to sit through many of his uh, half-assed Wizards games for about four or five years there, but...
1: Yeah. Right, I mean, he was... Speaking of, of you know an innovator, a true innovator, nobody <laughs> played more games. Come on, I mean, Kyle has to I beat was a, that a now. No, I, come on, what do you want me to do? I Stop,
0: no. Um, <laughs> we're cutting that.
1: <laughs> what a, what, a, what an innovator! <laughs> I, I will, but if you want to put him in as the as Fab Five guy, that's fine. It is complicated because he called a timeout he didn't have. But for what the Fab Five meant, uh, tra- you know, the, the sort of transformative impact they had on college basketball, I'm fine with.
0: Well, and also now that Jawan's the coach, they've kind of become America's unofficial team. I feel like, unless unless you hate Michigan for some reason or you have your own team, but for people I like think a me, lot of people, yeah, but people yeah. like me, that you you still have Maryland. I didn't have anybody. Yeah, I had Holy Cross, who who uh, got rid of scholarships while we were there. So I'm I'm we happy to watch jump that on that. Purple bandwagon. Rain
1: movie, by the way. Let's watch Purple Rain and, and compare notes on it. Oh,
0: they made the they made a documentary about Holy Cross. That's right.
1: Yeah, the basketball. Let's let's talk. Let's, I
0: forgot about that. I would that. rather watch a documentary on Holy Cross intramurals, though. From, <laughs> from <laughs> we
1: had a good run
0: from our era. Um, what happens in we, this? We what happens in this NBA Finals now? I'd I feel like we I, are now, we are now, uh, the TES, what, what is it called when you in the Tesla and the Tesla's driving and the person's not driving? What's the that?
1: Self drive. I mean, the, the, the auto, Yeah, the pilot. auto
0: drive, The auto drive. whatever it's called. I feel like we're, we've now hit that with this finals where we're not driving the finals anymore. I have no idea what's going to happen. You can tell me anything. Uh, okay. I would you, believe it.
1: You beat me to it. So the, true unknown is the health situation. How yes. hurt is clay. Will Steph be, you know, better from whatever it is that he suffered, you know, the cold that he's experiencing or flu or whatever. Will he be better on Wednesday? And, you know, uh, Toronto, to their credit, they don't, they are not afraid to go on the road and, and beat somebody's butt. Uh, that game six in Milwaukee was pretty
0: impressive. Sounds like you like Toronto.
1: I, I just, I'm so impressed by the uh, quality of, of their depth. And I thought it was the thing that was going to have them lose to Philadelphia in the second round. And they got close. I mean, it was, it, t- it took a, a miracle basket by Kawhi with two seconds left, but you know, those guys have, have risen to the moment, you know, Van Fleet, Powell, uh, Siakam predictably regressed. I, how how do we not pound? Under 19 and a half points for him tonight. <laughs> what, what's wrong with us? For God's I sake, he was, what was he, five for 17, five for 18?
0: Well, and they, they so, were also defending those side guys a little bit better this time. It looks like Golden State I mean, is somewhere between minus 270 and minus 290 to win the series now, which seems high to me. Which
1: was exactly where they were when the series started.
0: Right. Well, so we have three days rest till Wednesday, which helps them. The Friday is a murder. So that's 48 hours later, they got game four. And well,
1: is it a murder or is it's a Kevin murder? Durant's of, leg going to be better?
0: It's a murder of Clay's hurt. The Durant thing murder is. Of Clay's hurt. The Durant thing is set up now. He, I mean, think about the conversations we we're having on this podcast a couple weeks ago or even last week about, oh my God, can you imagine what if they win the title without him? Can he come back if they're up to nothing? It's almost embarrassing if he came back and they lost. Now it is like, not only do they need him, I don't think they can win the series unless he comes back.
1: Ooh, that's interesting.
0: That's a take. If, if Clay, the Clay thing did not look good. I mean, whether he can play or not, that's not one of those like shake hyper- it off.
1: I'm a. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. <laughs> but I am in the whole. No, I'm not even make the bad joke. Um, it looked like a hyperextension. And and as far as hamstring injuries go, I I don't think a hyperextension necessarily is the worst.
0: So, the thing with Clay, famous, famous, famous badass with injuries. Yeah. I think he's one of those, like, just, he's like one of those quarterbacks that from the 70s. It's like Ken Stabler. Ken Stabler's playing with a broken ankle. I mean, Favre. (laughs) Yeah, Favre. He's like Favre esque. It's like, oh, yeah, Clay has a sprained ankle. He's going to play. That's a high ankle sprain. He'll be fine. I think he can play with just about anything. The one thing with that though, is if if it's a hamstring thing and it's his push off, like there's just no way that can not affect his shot. He would have to change how he shoots. And then the other thing is they still need him defensively in this series. So if he's kind of compromised, then Draymond just has to be out of his mind. So I think the answer would be Steve Kerr just telling Draymond, we need you. I love you. You're my guy. (laughs) I need you to go to another level. I think he level. told him
1: that. He, Game six against Houston.
0: I think he tell he must tell himself like, uh, "Hey man, I, I just ran into Rick Welts backstage or back behind the behind the court, and uh, he was saying he didn't think he had it in you to carry us tonight." And I was just like, "I don't know, man, don't count <laughs> out Trayvon," but Rick was just like, "Nope, that guy's not. He doesn't have it. He must pull like all that weird motivational, passive aggressive shit with him, right? It's just my, like little little single- sprinklings."
1: He has to. My single dis biggest disappointment was there was not a camera on Draymond as the game ended uh, and, and, and whether or not there was any exchange with Drake. Because Draymond had to have gone over there, right?
0: Oh, no question. And I think what I think the NBA told ABC, stop showing Drake so much. <laughs> Our rights are up in two years. Don't fuck with us. Uh, We've had it with this Drake stuff. Do not show him anymore. Thank you.
1: Well, it's on somebody's cell phone. I need to see the footage.
0: Drake had a rough weekend because uh Anthony Joshua was his guy too. <laughs> and then he had his ass kicked.
1: <laughs> that was my favorite. I mean, I can't begin to tell you. I wanted I I, I was so impressed by, by my man Ruiz I went out for Mexican tonight. Five <laughs> Pacific Coast. Five Pacific Coast for Ruiz. Be
0: we're we're gonna talk to Kevin Clark about that in a second. Uh, in an interview that we've already recorded, and let's just say we discuss his weight and his body.
1: <laughs> He's my hero. I love that guy. <laughs> I would have a meal with that guy. He really that's, he, now that's a house of carbs. <laughs> Word.
0: can we get Ruiz on house of carbs? Nephew Kyle, some emails out tonight. Should I? Should I? Should I inspire uh, nephew Kyle like Steve Kerr inspires Draymond? Give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can't get him, <laughs> yeah. I can ask Craig or Bobby can Craig, if they yeah, could pull it off. That. Craig will do it. Yeah. Or Bobby. Yeah, Craig it. will get right on that. Craig or Bobby maybe could get that. Yeah. One of those send dudes. i an email now. Don't worry. <laughs> Let's see if Kyle yeah. can do it. I don't know. Who knows? Look, look, Who knows it. if he can book send. Ruiz? Just sent it there. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> the best would be the photo of you and Ruiz about about to eat 10 pounds of food on the House Crubs I mean, live show. Well, that's coming. Where does Ruiz live? We could arrange that for like a video show. I'm
1: going there. He, he, he lives in 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 on this uh, hemisphere, so I can find him.
0: Yeah, you think Ruiz wins the title, and his entourage and his trainers are probably not like, "Oh man, we got to watch out for uh for Ruiz here." He can't what, let himself where, go. Where
1: do you think it goes? No, that's do what I mean. He's he, like, it's it's not like you, he can he, let himself he,
0: go. He's already go, already gone.
1: <laughs> He's already gone. What if he gets in shape? It's working Is for him. Is that a bad thing for him?
0: It's great. It reminds me of remember that year when uh, Oliver Miller on the Suns was.
1: At I'm least not laughing because you know he battled his weight his whole career. I know, that but was remember like a problem. Like
0: no, but remember that one year on the Suns where he was playable. How much fun that was! Everybody loved. Yeah. They had Oliver Miller and they had Richard Dumas, who had already been suspended. I don't even remember how many times for drugs, and they just were able to just get these one magical year out of each of them, and it was yeah. really enjoyable. It was really fun. Um. Alright House so you think so you, you both of us are just throwing our hands up in the air at this point
1: Yeah Who's... I, I think the Warriors are going to win I think the Warriors are going to win in six that's you know that's the expert opinion it's the same thing I, I thought before the series started I'm greatly intrigued by I, I, I'm my uh my senses are alert all five senses are at are play with what Toronto has brought to the table but That third quarter, the beginning of the third quarter, that stretch, I've been waiting for it for for three and a half games. And, you know, this is the thing. You never know until you get punched in the face. Right. What else? Somebody's going to respond. So let's see. Let's see what they show off with on Wednesday night.
0: Well, most important, if the Warriors end up winning the title, Boogie actually deserves he earned the ring now.
1: He earned the ring. He earned
0: the ring because he'll cry after they win. It's it's legitimate.
1: <laughs> He's going to play a, a huge part in the rest of this series.
0: I I, I mean, when they they huge. played him like twenty eight minutes tonight, and it looked like he was done at about the twenty three minute mark of that, and just kind he, of gotten yeah. through it.
1: Him catching the ball at the free throw line as a distributor, yeah, for it was those great. backdoor cuts is is incredible. So they have Draymond and Boogie both capable of doing that. It's a it's a game changer. Well, you know, what's, and it's you know,
0: you know, it's crazy. Yeah. He was such a good low post player back in the day, and it's like they I, they're honestly, not even using that at all. They didn't even they didn't even use that part of him in that game.
1: In that entire six minute stretch where they didn't have any baskets, I kept wondering why don't they just try and get the ball to him down low?
0: Maybe that'll be a game three wrinkle. Things. That was like when uh, one of the most frustrating things about the Milwaukee Toronto series was Milwaukee just forgetting that Brooke Lopez was a low post player for his entire career until this year and has like yep. a jump hook and a drop step and a bank shot. Like he's got moves down there. I, I felt the same way with cousins, especially if uh, they mix it up and try to put like a Bach out there, stuff like that. Well, really you can see him.
1: Yeah. He thinks he has an advantage over Gasol. He knows he does like, you, you could see him licking his lips a couple of times when he got the ball uh, mm. and, and faced up. And it was like, oh, oh, oh. And he, <laughs> his, his brain is processing. His body's not up to where his brain is. This is like you and me trying to play basketball right now. I know what to do. I know where I want to go. I know the angle I want to take. I know I can beat this little bitch, but maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe the parts don't want to go there.
0: Uh, all right, House, this is fun. Thanks for doing this. Ho- I hope you have one more burrito tonight in honor of Andy Ruiz. Does, is there leftovers? <laughs> is there leftovers for Pacifico?
1: I'm gonna go have another Pacifico. I know
0: that. Much. <laughs> oh, the, oh, was the restaurant Pacifico, or you or, or you're drinking Pacificos? I'm drinking
1: Pacifico. Oh, obviously. I thought you. Yeah. I thought
0: you went to a Mexican restaurant called Pacifico. I should, oh, I'm, no, a, I'm an just- idiot
1: the world's famous guapos here in Northwest DC. <laughs> guapos.
0: You got to go to Guapos.
1: Guapos. We got to take Andy Ruiz yeah. to Guapos.
0: All right. Oh
1: my God. you kidding me?
0: Andy Ruiz, come on House of Carbs. Uh, House, <laughs> we'll talk to you soon.
1: Talk to you
0: later. All right. We're going to call Kevin Clark in one second to talk about an incredible boxing weekend. First, Voodoo is a leading streaming app with a library of over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy. From the latest Hollywood blockbusters to your favorite indie films, Vudu recently launched an ad-supported on-demand service with over 10,000 titles you can watch for free, including classic movies and TV shows completely free, like Stand By Me. What else do we have, Kyle? Stand By Me, Snakes on a Plane. Snakes on a Plane. Snakes on a Plane. Contagion. So a bunch of good ones. Look, it's available wherever you watch TV. They make it easy to access all your favorite entertainment with a click of a button. Enjoy Vudu on your smart TV, Roku, Chromecast, iPhone, or or Android Online, no subscriptions, no contracts, free entertainment. I just used Voodoo this week. I we need to get Dead Poets Society because we're doing rewatchables on it next week, actually. And uh, here's what happened. First of all, they had the best price of anyone for a rental; it was two ninety nine. Ooh! But it was nine ninety nine to buy, and yeah, I love that did. movie. I to. stepped in. Yeah, I really did. No brainer. Go to voodoo.com slash rewatchables to sign up and start watching today. Catch up on dead poet society before next week's rewatchables episode at Vudu.com slash rewatchables, two 99 to rent dead poet society. And don't forget while we're here, Ringer dish our new podcast feed, celebrity culture, you get tea time, you get jam session, you get our new Monday pod. That's going to be on that feed. And you can get for realsies with my daughter. There's a new one coming this week. Kyle produced it. Don't forget to subscribe, The Ringer Dish Pod. All right, let's call Kevin Clark. All right, on the line right now from TheRinger.com, Kevin Clark, it takes a lot to get him to just randomly volunteer to work on a weekend. And now we've had a piece from Kevin Clark and our podcast appearance from Kevin Clark. He didn't think he was doing anything this weekend. Then a young man, a young lovable man, a young, jiggly, fantastic champion of a man. Andy Ruiz Jr came into our lives. I'm still reeling Kevin Clark. I I I think I'm happy. I think that that's the
3: overriding thing right now. I'm just just still really happy. I that was just such a fun fight. I it it ruins all the plans that promoters had for the next 2 years of boxing, which is a very <laughs> good thing.
0: And I'm just
3: thrilled that, that Andy Ruiz exists.
0: Yeah, so this fight, I was going to watch it. I was watching the um, the Bruins game, game three. And the Bruins had it handily decided, but it felt like there were going to be some fights because the Blues were getting a little chippy. So I had hung around and I was watching it. And then I forgot the fight was on. And I go over, I flip to the zone because there's like three minutes left in the Bruins game. And all <laughs> of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. The round three, it's like, oh, there's Joshua. Oh, he's all right. He's going to knock out uh, Ruiz now. <laughs> And I had been getting texts, seen on Twitter, like, oh, man, you should see this Andy Ruiz. How is this guy a boxer? Gets knocked down, gets up. Joshua's going for the finisher. Ruiz is, like, re- responding with bombs. And then all of a sudden, Joshua's falling down. And this becomes one of the great rounds in uh, in recent boxing history. Nothing, and I repeat, nothing delights me more than it when both guys get knocked down in the same round. I, does it have a name? <laughs> is there a phrase for that? I, I don't know. I mean,
3: we, we can come up with one right now. Yeah. How about I mean, double, I just, double, it, knockdown. <laughs> double knockdown? Double well, knockdown? I think that's when it's at the same time. But I mean, oh, this was true. amazing. So so Ruiz hits him with a left, and, and Joshua never really recovers. And that leads no. to those two knockdowns. He was basically saved by the bell at the end of that round. And then he was just gassed after that. I don't know what joshua was doing the entire fight he was very cocky even at the end you know right before the last knockdowns so between knockdown three and four there's so many of them um he kind of looked at his corner and gave like a shrug like i'm i'm totally fine or like an eyebrow kind of raised like i got this and he just clearly didn't i don't know how he was processing what was happening it was a very strange fight from his end this
0: happens every once in a while in boxing um yeah. i forget who who, who mentioned. Did you put have Corey Sanders in your piece? I can't remember.
3: Yeah, a couple people did. I did not. Corey Sanders obviously beat Klitschko. Maybe I saw in, it, in it on Twitter. Yeah, because I yeah, watched that
0: too. That was like 03. Yeah. It was Vladimir Klitschko. That was right when he was like getting some momentum as like, here come the Klitschko's. And this dude, Corey Sanders, just beats the living hell out of him and, and knocks him out in two rounds. Corey Sanders had similar uh, interesting body type as well. Right. He had thick trunk. Thick, <laughs> thick trunk on Corey. And then, uh, and then the brother Rock- avenged it the next year. But, so that was right. a fun subplot, too. I was like when the brother right. has to avenge whatever. This one, like, Rachman right. Lewis was a big deal. I think that got swept under the rug. Everybody, everybody defaulted right to Douglas Tyson. Which yeah, I think I think Rockman Lewis is more like
3: it, especially the the English champion thing. I will say I watched the Rockman fight today. Yeah, the I broadcast, did too. The HBO broadcast started singing "America the Beautiful" after the knockout. That was George Foreman. That was an interesting choice. Mm. Yeah, it was a little more xenophobic back then. I think. <laughs> <laughs> just an interesting choice. That's all. It was just an interesting call.
0: Yeah, I. I hate taking, I hate when the Douglas Tyson's name gets taken in vain because that was the greatest sports upset of, of my lifetime, other than maybe the Americans beating the Russians in 1980. It was just so improbable. Everybody was watching it. This fight, you know, was was considered to be this pushover. It was a last minute. Ruiz is coming in. He's filling it for somebody who failed a PED test. I'm sorry, and, Bill, three three PED tests. Wow. Well,
3: three different PED tests.
0: <laughs> give or take. It was one give or take two others (laughs) And uh The last minute sub And Joshua fought like a guy Who had a last minute sub And saw a picture of Ruiz And was like oh I'm fighting that guy All right, I just won't train anymore Cause he he was a disaster in this fight He got knocked down four times He didn't look like he was in shape He was incoherent after the fight He seemed happier for Ruiz than Ruiz's family I don't know what the (laughs) fuck was going on Kevin
3: so there are a couple of things. Number one is that the commonality between both the Lewis loss and then the Tyson Douglas loss is that they were all in not the country of the champion. Mm. They were seen more as marketing tours, and that's certainly what this was. I mean, all the talk before this was just about Joshua having his footprint in the United States before the mega fight start in 2020 or 2021. And th- those three have that in common. And from a, from a just a fighting perspective, I think there was a total lack of respect, like what you said, for Ruiz. Ruiz was a top prospect. Um, he, you know he, He's only had one loss, and it was controversial to Joseph Parker, who went the distance with Joshua. So it's not like he was a total can. This wasn't a disgrace of a fight. It's just exactly what you said. You see a picture of Ruiz, and you underestimate. Maybe that helped him a little bit. I think from a boxing standpoint, Joshua had huge flaws, and I just don't think that they've addressed those. I mean, he still lacks a reliable jab. Um, You know, I, the, the broadcast talked about last night that he still does not fight like a guy who's six foot six. He still fights like a guy who's six foot and that's just not how he should operate. So he had huge flaws. And look, I mean, it looked like one of those football games where one of these teams just did not have a game plan. It's like they'd never watched film before.
0: Yeah, I uh, I, I blame myself because this felt like one of the great gambling opportunities of all time. Anthony Joshua yeah. in general was dying to get beaten by somebody who had huge odds. And it was just a matter of time before it happened. I've never totally understood it. He looks he looks the part on paper. Um, much like the Klitschko brother did before he got knocked out by Corey Sanders. Just he looked the part, but the the overall game wasn't there. The thing is, I don't follow boxing the way I used to follow it. And mm-hmm. I think the die hard boxing people actually kind of liked Ruiz. Like he he just looks weird, but he's got he's got <laughs> really fast hands. He was a big prospect as you said. He hasn't really gotten his ass kicked in a fight, even that one fight to Parker like people thought he won that fight. So, yeah. this wasn't like unbelievably crazy. And then the other thing is, you know, the fact that Joshua has just been ducking everybody and been very careful about who he's fighting. Is a bad sign. I, I think that says something. I think Joshua would be the first to admit he's probably not that good, right? So there's a couple things to unpack there.
3: Number one is that Joshua has been on the ropes a couple of times. You know, he was hurt against Klitschko. He was hurt against Dillian White even before that. But I think that people I don't know if, if real boxing heads really liked Ruiz in any meaningful way. I think there are a couple of people who are now coming out of the woodwork, and, and I'm sure that the people who bet. Great for them, um, but I didn't see any real momentum for for Ruiz before the fight. I, I saw somebody said last night there was some late money coming in on, on Ruiz. Really? Um, yeah, the, yeah. 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 I, I mean, who knows how reliable that is? I saw. Did you see the odds by the way that they put out on now Wilder versus Joshua and Fury versus Joshua because it's flipped and now both he's gone from a favorite in both those fights to an underdog in both those fights just overnight. So that that's that's a separate thing and that's that's kind of incredible. But. I agree. The fact that that he wasn't even entertaining big fights, you know, Lennox Lewis came out and kind of ripped him, ripped Joshua about 5 months ago and said that they they feel like he and his team are content with just keeping him in the United Kingdom, selling out big stadiums, going against inferior competition. There was a lot of money to be made in fighting at Wembley, fighting in Cardiff, whatever, uh, selling 80,000, 70,000 seats, and having him win in in a fifth-round knockout or whatever. I think that his team maybe got a little too complacent in that regard, and he didn't step up in competition, and now all of a sudden he's getting beat
0: by Andy Ruiz. Well, let's be honest. This was the uh, Vladimir. I could never say Vladimir. I'm just my, my 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 lips can't do it. That Kutchko. Wow, it's fine. The inferior Kuchko brother. He yes. that was basically his recipe, unless there was. I, I mean, it was partly there was one of the worst heavyweight droughts just for talent that ever that we had for well, about it was ten just years. Two there. and they wouldn't fight each other. But if you look, so he loses to Sanders and then he lost to Lamont Brewster, TKO. Right. Uh, three fights later, and that's in April two thousand four. And then goes on this epic 10, 10 win re- winning streak, or actually it's more than mm-hmm. that. It was like fifteen wins. Um, I defy you to name three guys that he fought. Let's do it. I'm, I challenge I'm, I'm you looking right, at it now. right now. No, you can't I'm looking look at it right now. Don't look.
3: I'm sorry. I'm I'm ar- I'm already looking at it, but I will say he won eleven years. It was not a murderer's row.
0: Not a murderer's row. Was- this was like when in Rocky three. III- <laughs> when Mickey admits to Rocky that he intentionally just had had him fight a bunch of meatballs so he could keep the title, I, I remember, it's like Samuel Peter. He he fought Rockman seven years after yeah, you would have wanted Dave, to fight Rockman. All these David dudes.
3: Hay is in there. Oh my god, uh, Lamon Brewster it was event, that that loss was avenged. Chris Bird was in there. So uh, I mean, P- Pulev was in there. It was uh it was interesting interesting crew there for that eleven years. So the, then he lost to Tyson Fury in twenty
0: fifteen. Right. So the res the the recipe was in place. And Joshua the fact that Well, I mean, the recipe for every boxer ever is in place, which
3: is just, you know, fight in for your competition and make a ton of money. Unfortunately, that's that's the way to make money in boxing at this point. Except and, and and let these super fights marinate 3 years after everybody wants them.
0: Yeah, it's it's called uh the Floyd Mayweather. He fought a couple of <laughs> good dudes, but you know, Floyd Floyd is able to get out of Boxing basically with almost all of his brain cells, it feels like what, like ninety five percent. Yeah, it's it's a it's a
3: mixture of savvy booking and great defensive fighting, great head movement from Floyd.
0: Yeah, he played it perfectly. Kudos to him. So the thing with Joshua, you know, I I, what we've seen with this resurgence with boxing and the streaming services and ESPN Plus and the Zone and everybody's kind of lining up to try to get their guys. I don't think Joshua had a deal like the deal that Canelo had, but he definitely you know, was under the under zone. And I think people's first reaction, this is obviously a little awkward because they're the sponsor of this podcast, so I don't have inside info on this. Mm-hmm. But I think people's first reaction was this is bad for the zone. I actually think it was like the greatest moment of the zone history. They're going to get the rematch. And odds are he's going to take this rematch a little more seriously. It's a great fight. It's now a can't miss fight. Plus, we get Andy Ruiz out of it. I'm sure they have options on that, dude. And more importantly, it has people talking about heavyweight boxing again, which really started, you know, with the with the Fury-Wilder fight. And just in general, these fights have been so much more entertaining the last couple of years. Kind of feels like heavyweight boxing is a little bit back, right? Kind of. I mean,
3: uh, where is Andy Ruiz now after this fight as far as famous active boxers? Oh, my God. Like really high. Yeah, you would think. That's I mean, true. really, really high. So everybody is gonna watch this rematch. It's gonna be awesome. Then you have so in early twenty twenty, Wilder and Fury are fighting. And so this is actually starting to okay, the Wilder Joshua mega fight is out, but but who cares? I'd rather have this and a spark in the entire division than you know the twenty twenty one mega fight at Wembley Stadium. I, I don't care. I have things to do in my life. Let's see some actual matchups here. Yeah. And so you have this And Wilder Fury. Yeah. Wilder, if you're in early 2020, uh, hopefully for for that sake, Wilder gets past the Ortiz rematch, which is this fall. And so you've now got sort of a setup here where... I mean, if Ruiz beats Joshua, that's that's just, again, that's just incredible. And he would, I guess, face the winner of Wilder Fury after that. And then Joshua's uh, career is a little more blemished. And then maybe he fights the loser of, of Wilder Fury. I don't know how exactly it sets up. I just know maybe this loss from Joshua makes everybody more comfortable fighting each other. You know, one of the things, Jim Lampley's talked about this a lot, kind of the the cult of the zero um, in boxing, which is Floyd Mayweather was, was you know, 49-0, then 50-0. And everybody wants to keep that zero. And losses can be a good thing; they can spark things. Think about, you know, all the middleweights in the '80s. I mean that 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 the, that division was helped because guys weren't afraid to lose or zero. Now that Joshua loses a zero, he won't be protected. Maybe they get a little
0: more aggressive with the booking stuff. It is true. Ali lost a bunch of times even before he started really losing his brain cells and his coordination. He he had some losses. Losses are fun. People have to come back from losses. They're better storyline. I would much rather have this. I also feel like, you know, we see this in UFC and uh and Bellator like we're kind of conditioned to good guys losing and then coming back and winning the next time. So, well not you know, I, I when when Conor McGregor lost against Khabib in October,
3: he was at Cowboy Stadium like a week later and they acted like he was a king. I mean, it, it was like no yeah. one cared that he lost. And I think that there's in other sports even other fight sports, there's less of a of a stigma around losing. And for some reason in boxing, we've just be, been conditioned to throw guys aside when they lose, and maybe this, this
0: is going to be okay for the heavyweight division. Well, the Wilder, his, two of his last three fights have been really entertaining. The Ortiz fight was good. Yeah. I liked that one. I loved it. And then uh, he had a knockdown in his last fight that was one of the better knockdowns of the social media era. I felt like that was on everybody's so, feed. And then the draw well, against Fury was like... Was awesome. A really, really fun sporting event. And I'm excited There's to watch theory. them fight again.
3: There's a theory going around, and it was, it was suggested on the broadcast as well, that Wilder's knockout at Brazil a couple of weeks ago led to some of the early mistakes from Joshua because he was going for that highlight real knockout. Oh, I mean, interesting. When he, when he had that that third round knockdown of Ruiz, you could see him just get really, really excited about the knockout. It looked like he was trying to close, and that's when he opened up a little bit. So I wonder if there was sort of a, hey, I've got to match this, You know, not necessarily for social media, but hey, he just went out and destroyed a guy that that I took seven rounds. Uh, maybe I have to get that that kind of vicious knockout too. And you could tell he was maybe going for that a little bit in the third.
0: Yeah. And if you pause the fight right before Ruiz landed the counter that got that just completely flipped the fight, it just seemed like Joshua was two punches away from, from finishing it. And now you look at it and I, I, that was a pretty devastating loss from just a stylistic standpoint. Once I always think like, once a dude gets knocked down or a fight flips like that, you kind of find out who they are as a boxer to some degree, you know? And like, when this, if yeah. you, I watched the Klitschko, um, Corey Sanders fight again this morning and he just didn't know what to do once things flipped and he wasn't the bully, you know, and he didn't know how to hold. He didn't know how to keep him off with his jab, nothing. And Chris Mannix in his piece that he wrote did a good job of pointing out how it, that was the fight when he goes and gets Emmanuel Sanders. Yep. Stewart. He, yeah, I'm sorry, Emmanuel. Who's Emmanuel Sanders, the wide receiver? God, I'm turning Ama- Emmanuel any other. Sanders is the wide receiver for the for the, uh, <laughs> he, for the Broncos. Peyton, Peyton Manning went out and got Emmanuel Sanders. He got Emmanuel Lewis, and then no, no, Uh no. So he gets Emmanuel Stewart, who <laughs> teaches him how to throw how to throw the heavy jab that completely yeah. changes the course of his career. And it's interesting with the with the size that Joshua has. It's really crazy that he doesn't have a jab like that, and he does seem like somebody that you know whoever. 2019's version of Emmanuel Stewart is would have some fun at least working with him he's got the perfect body he's got power um we're not it's unclear if he can take a punch but uh (laughs) there there's some real tools there you know so I don't know we'll see how he goes I would say what was would you say the wilder odds were against him uh wilder he is now
3: plus 110 and he was uh minus 200 yesterday And Wilder's another
0: one who who gets clocked in these fights.
3: You know, like against Ortiz. Yeah, but and then and and Fury. Yeah. Fury is now uh he's now one fifty against plus one fifty against Fury and was minus one fifty yesterday. So it completely flipped. And
0: then we I don't feel like we've spent enough time talking about him, but um the man who won our hearts, Andy Ruiz Jr. First of all, oh who, my God, did you see the Degeneration X chop? Yeah, I did, and and just blubber going everywhere. It was just, it was transcendent. Who was uh, Andy Ruiz Senior? Did you find out? Did you did a deep dive on that? I have, not, I have not done a deep dive. He gave a, a very
3: touching. Tribute to his mom. He said he's not going to. Sh- they're not going to struggle anymore as a family, which is very touching to see. Yeah. Um. You know, he was a former top ranked guy. Chris Mannix again talked about that in the piece about, about, how good of a prospect he was. It wasn't. Again, it was not like he was a can. Uh, quite a personality. You know, Tyson Fury comes out earlier this week and compares him to the child from Up. And the UK <laughs> press asked him if if he's offended by this, and he was like, "No, I, I do look like that guy. Like he's just he's a very honest." Uh, self-deprecating guy loves Snickers. Said he was going to eat Snickers before the match. I don't know if he did that or if he was just saying that. I, 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 I'm sorry, I didn't follow up on this sn- actual Snickers consumption. Yeah. Um, but he is a guy that we need in our lives. Well, He's a guy. I'm mean, listen. I was I was walking around uh, Los Angeles today. People were talking about this at the gym. They were talking about it at lunch. I heard it. I haven't heard
0: outward boxing talk in a long time. Yeah. And that was even coming off the heels of the Fury Wilder fight, which was a great fight. But I agree, this felt a little bit different. And I watched uh, My wife and my son were watching with me because they were waiting for the fight to end so we could watch a movie. <laughs> and both of them were so transfixed by him and rooting for him. And then we we were also having questions that I've never had watching a fight before. And I've been watching fights my whole life about... We got an argument about whether all the extra fat is actually good for him cuz my wife was like this it's actually good the punches are bouncing off him it's more of a shield and i was like i'm not sure that's how it works i th- i don't know if there's muscle underneath there and she's like well how do you know what if what if he's just hard underneath and then the outer fat is a shell i've never had that conversation so, in my life i'm 49 years this old is, this is this is basically Jr. This is base. It's a literal
3: Simpsons plot where Homer was such a large man, he could just take punches. <laughs> he had such a right. large head, and man, he and so he became a professional boxer. Very good episode if you haven't seen it. But I do think the fact there, there at some point it becomes an advantage that Ruiz had had like 25 pounds on Joshua, he's 268. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, I know Joshua's what oh, seven, five, six inches taller, five inches taller, something like that. But at some point being compact like that matters well and and he had
0: fast hands which was clear from the first round and joshua looked slow yeah and he wasn't you know we've seen fat guys before fighting and and usually they throw their punches take a long time to uh to develop and he he was the opposite it was pretty clear right away like that he wasn't a chump and then he got knocked down i was like oh that was stupid why do i think this fat guy had a chance yeah and then he gets up and starts throwing bombs again
3: There's also the sort of the the weird sort of psyche thing where right before the broadcast, they mentioned this, where his one loss against Joseph Parker, the reason he thought he lost was he didn't let his hands fly. So he was just going to start throwing bombs yeah that was what was really fun to see is a lot of these guys you know we complained a couple weeks ago especially about the canelo fight where it's like why don't these guys in the 11th round just start throwing haymakers that's easier said than done you're gonna get knocked out if you do that uh it's more of a guy from a couch yelling but but ruiz was really intent on just throwing bombs he was fighting like you you would imagine a heavy underdog should fight it was awesome to see
0: well, and my fear with where boxing was going with all of these streaming sites carving up the best talent with, with big deals was what happened with Floyd, where mm. the fights become a business arrangement and not a fight. And the, it's it's not one of those things, I hate to use the term life or death with boxing because people have died, but it's not, it doesn't feel mm. like life or death out there. Guys go to the fringe, but they... They're not really laying it all out knowing that, you know, if I win this, I'll get, I'll get another pay, a huge payday. Now they've already gotten the payday. They've locked it up. And even with somebody like Joshua who doesn't have the $330 million contract like Canelo got, um, he's still taken care of with the own deal. You know, he's, it's not, yeah. it's, this fight was not life or death with them. He didn't take it seriously. And he just thought he could show up and and fight a tomato can. And the guy was in a tomato can, but what was the what was the fight we were just talking about? This uh, Triple G, oh, against Jacobs, Jake Jacobs Canelo. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Canelo against Jacobs, and in the twelfth round, you know, it wasn't inconceivable that if Jacobs won the last round or if it was even ten eight that he could have like gotten a draw or won. And you would have thought he would have gone out there just throwing bombs, and he was totally good with it. It was like all right. I, I'm i okay if I lose the 12th and I lose this fight seven to five. I didn't get knocked out. I'm great. I'll live to fight another day. I'll get more fights. <clears throat> I'm good. And that's been a lot of boxing fights I want, I've want i watched. And I don't know. Partly has to be, you know, the fact the guaranteed paychecks, but I also wonder like, you know, the collateral damage of boxing just in general and what we've seen with some of these retired guys. Um, it, it's, it's rare that you see somebody just get off the canvas, throwing haymakers like Ruiz did, you know? It was it was intoxicating? Yeah, I mean, it's, some,
3: it's something Max Kellerman talks about a lot, and it's something that's really insightful. Which is that essentially, boxing fans and boxers have their have exact opposite interests in mind. Uh, <laughs> boxers want to get boxers want to get out with the most money and the least damage, and the fans just want a lot of damage. They want wars, yeah, and they want super fights. Which and and the super fights, if they occur too much, sort of limit the the amount of money you can have. Yeah, And so it's it. if you were a boxer, if I were a boxer, I would want to go the sort of Keith Thurman route, which is, you know, fight twice a year, make one five and, and get out, right? Like that's the smartest move. You keep your head, you keep your brain and, and you get out with, with money. I mean, I think that in some ways the stuff we want to see is against the interest of the boxer.
0: And it's a very strange thing to reckon with in that sport. And with the added, uh, I guess, benefit for the boxers of a pretty big sample size now of how you don't want to end up, you know? Yeah, yeah I'd say. I don't know if MMA is mean, that same sample size yet.
3: Well, I think that um, MMA is a little too too new to know that. Yeah. I mean, it's only been around for 20, 25 years. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, I, I, think, I think that it's a bad sign that when Wilder and Fury were fighting and they fought in Los Angeles and I went to the fight just as a fan, like I felt like there had been some sort of mistake that these guys were fighting. Like that's a bad sign, right? <laughs> right. Like I was just like, "What's going on? Like, is this fight actually going to happen?" I was driving there, and I was like, "Is there like a clerical error or something? Why are two of the best heavyweights fighting each other?" That's that's a problem.
0: So Andy Ruiz Jr. I don't know how long he's going to be in our lives, but uh, so damn lovable. I love. Oh, by the way, forgot to mention first Mexican American heavyweight champ. Yeah, yep. I, I think. I don't know when, but I think there's going to be a spectacular um, scolding story from somebody about the fat shaming of Andy Ruiz Jr. Is going to be, Should- I'm going to guess Monday, but maybe Tuesday, but probably Monday. Somebody just lecturing us and, and getting on Mount Pius and being all pious about it. Look, this is boxing and people are usually in shape when they box and this guy was not. And for us to not talk about that is insane. And the other thing is, he can't win the title and now get out of shape. He's already out of shape. It's not like it's like, oh man, watch out. Well, now that this guy's won the title, watch out, man. He's going to let himself go. It's like he let himself what? go five years ago. <laughs> We're here. Reminds- We've arrived.
3: <laughs> It reminds me a little bit of like, you know, those the, the genre of viral tweet where it's like some guy who is now gr- a great athlete, look like a dork in high school, like Noah Syndergaard, right? Like, it's like, hey, this guy, this guy looked like this 10 years ago. Now he looks like this. it rem- The Ruiz photos remind me of that, except that's what he still looks like. Like the <laughs> right. embarrassing photos are just what he is. And it's amazing. It's great. Like, I, I-, I don't. I don't see like a I, if there is a sort of a shame cycle about Andy Ruiz. Um, I I don't. I'm I'm opting out. Um, I just think that he's great. He's wonderful. We should embrace him. He's he's an amazing personality, and I
0: hope a super duper star. The shame cycle. He, yeah, I'm opting out. Please, can you can you write a long think piece and make me reconsider my thoughts about watching Andy Ruiz and wondering why he was overweight? I need I need to I need to reconsider because that's. <laughs> That, would, that wasn't a natural reaction at all to be like, oh my God, that guy's like 30 pounds overweight. How is he not getting knocked out? Incredible. I, I hope he never changes. I would love to have him on the podcast. I enjoyed his oh, interview. God, yes. um, I hope he stops by the ringer and we can all hang out with him. He's the best. Andrew is He's an amazing person. I can't remember the last time I talked about boxing on a podcast and for 27 minutes. We're back. It's been a while. We're back. All right, KC. Um. Are you worried about D'Angelo Russell for $180 million this summer with the Magic or no? Um,
3: I, I, That would be a sort of a, a previous sort of Rob Hennigan panic move. I, I believe in the front
0: office now. I believe in Valiant. the front office now. Holy shit, Kevin I believe Clark. in the front
3: office. We have a new front office. What's happened to you? Do you believe
0: in the Jets' front we're, office? We're going to
3: let... Riley McAtee came up to me in the office the other day asking me uh, whether Vooch was a fit for the Kings. And I said, absolutely, at some insane cost. Yeah. Go ahead. You can have him,
0: Sacramento. Knock yourself out, Sacramento. Mm. And Jets? Jets front office? You have faith in them or no? Uh, I, I, if they hired Joe
3: Douglas, that's the, great, the best thing they can do. But, I mean, wouldn't it have been better to hire the smart guy from Philadelphia before
0: the draft and before free agency? Just a thought. I was I was really hoping that all the Peter Schrager stuff was true because it would be funny to have somebody who has made a concerted effort to connect with all media people over the last twelve years, including me, now have a GM job. Who who would he leak to? What would he do? I I, I it would just be like a leak. You know the leak to, wasn't that Peter Schrager lottery? was actually
3: going to be the GM. It was that he was going to like pick the GM, which wasn't true. I know. But then
0: I got excited yeah. that maybe they would just ask him to be the, GM. be the GM. He, yeah. he would
3: pull a Dick Cheney and just name himself GM. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> media people have become <laughs> well, GMs.
3: <laughs> they sure have. Matt Millen was from, went from the media. Yeah, Matt
0: Millen was like a Mike broadcaster. Mayock. Yeah, Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock. He's a, he's he's a GM. Peter Schrager's the, not. The one of the
3: Jets. One of the Jets leaks was that Daniel Jeremiah was going to go, but that seems to not be the case anymore. He was going to go be Joe Douglas's number two, but that's that the reporting now says that's not going to happen. So you, Joe Douglas is a legitimately good hire for the Jets if they can make it. They should need to give him full
0: roster control and give him a time machine to undo the free agency. So you you have Giants minus 150 over the Jets for most incompetent New York football franchise. Oh. Right now.
3: well, you know, a lot of our staffers are really excited to chart this this year. Jets versus Giants. Yeah, I think that the I don't think either of them are going be good this year. If they hire Joe Douglas, it depends. If the if the sort of, I don't know. I D- Darnold is a better quarterback than anything the Giants have going on. How about that? So so automatically the Jets are are going to be in
0: better position than the Giants. Yeah, I agree with that. Somebody on my Twitter the other day was talking about Eli in the 2011 San Francisco playoff game, and I went <laughs> and watched the video because it was just this chorus of everybody just agreeing how great he was in that game. And how tough he was. And all. I was like, all right, I got to see this. I don't really remember it this way. And he did make some plays. But there's a 14-minute clip of the game. And in classic Eli fashion, two different times during the game, he threw an interception and double coverage. And the guys collided into each other. The first time, the guy got carried off the field after like eight minutes. And then the second time was on the key play of the game where if either guy had caught it, the game's over, the Giants lose. I That's how I'm going to remember Eli. When, when all said and done, I, I don't know if he makes the Hall of Fame hey, or not, but I will never Bill. remember why another QB throwing in a double coverage and having both guys not only drop it, sure. but potentially knock each other out like Eli Manning. What a QB. Hey, Bill, you know how? I'm going to remember Eli
3: Manning uh, beating the Patriots in two Super Bowls. I don't know if you were, were there for that or anything like that, wow. but i remember You don't that. even have a football not a, team. not.
0: You you you're, like, you're exactly like you're I control these lobs. You don't even have an I'm like, NFL. Team. I'm like
3: Andy Ruiz. I can just come out and just start throwing these hooks.
0: I mean, <laughs> you did you come off I mean, guard? I just <laughs> spat out my mouthpiece. I'm just looking at my corner. <laughs>
3: well, you could you could always come with the Orlando Magic. It's fine. God, how do we lose two? Kyle, how do we lose
0: I, two I, Super Bowls? to hear. you I'm, in. Done.
4: I'm done. with it. I don't
0: Unbelievable. Don't talk about it. God, <laughs> make that guy go away. If he retires, Kevin Clark, we can hear you on the Ringer NFL Show. We can read you on the Ringer.com. Thank you, as always. Thanks, man. All right, we're going to call my buddy Jacko to talk about baseball and a little 2020 presidential election first. Today's podcast is brought to you partly by Simply Safe Home Security. A great security system, awesome protection, very easy to use, and they're from Boston, Massachusetts. Simply Safe got started because a Harvard engineer's friends got burglarized when they went to get a security system. It was a hassle. Too complicated, too expensive, terrible contracts, so... He built something better—a comprehensive, easy-to-use protection. No contracts, fair prices, keeps your family and home safe 24/7 for only $14.99 a month. Better yet, engineered to keep working during power outages, down Wi-Fi, or if a burglar smashes your keypad. Thoughtfully designed, never in your way. Protects against fires, carbon monoxide, water damage, and freezing pipes. Go with the only home security I trust—Simply Safe. By going to simplysafe.com/slash-bs today, Simply Safe with two eyes. Simplysafe.com slash b s and since we're here, don't forget about ringer dish subscribe now on uh, on Apple on Spotify wherever you get your podcasts. all right, we're gonna call Jacko weird Red sox weekend almost got swept by the yanks, rallied to uh pull one off tonight, but either way, I promised to call this person no matter what happened this weekend, so now we're calling him on Sunday night. here he is Jacko all right on the line, uh my buddy Jacko, you know. Had the, had the finals, had all these things last week, and uh, and someone got salty that I didn't call him before a big Yankees Red Sox series. That um, <laughs> that gee, I'm I'm just gonna say you came out and basically made it seem like I ducked you because the Red Sox season wasn't going that well. Which I, I that hurt my feelings that you said that. I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to talk to you again. I was worried I was never going to talk to you again on the phone. So Listen. I thought you would just exchange angry texts with me. So it's good to hear your voice. I'm glad that you're still upright, still alive, and still using the phone. That's good.
0: Look, first of all, we won the World Series last year. I don't know if you realize that. We've won the World Series <laughs> twice since the last time we won the World Series. We've won the World Series four times more than you this century. I don't feel like I have anything to prove right now. That's why, no, that's why know, I didn't just, check in.
2: We're just living in the past. Is
0: that the deal? Dave, we're not living in the past, but it's, you know, I still have faith in this Red Sox team that uh, has been. <laughs> ran right around 500 for one third of the season <laughs> and has a $240 million payroll or whatever it is. But I still, uh, right. I still feel like it's going to heat up Johnny.
2: You do, huh? Well, I mean, you know, John Sterling, the voice of the Yankees always has this thing where he says to his, uh, his cohort, Susan Baldwin, well, that's baseball, Susan, but some, you know, guy goes four for four one night and over for four the next. So really the 2019 Red Sox are the epitome of, well, that's baseball, Susan. Cause last year they were world beaters. They couldn't lose they have essentially the same team this year with the exception of uh, Kimbrell. Uh, but none of these guys are world beaters this year. And the team that couldn't lose last year can't get out it of its own way this year. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. We have essentially the same team except for um, nobody to close a baseball game. And we've had like nine blown saves. And
2: Yeah. I, I, I you never have thought. Had blown saves, although your bullpen is, you know, aside from that's like, aside from the that, Mrs. Lincoln, how is the play? But Aside from the blown saves, your bullpen actually has not been horrible.
0: No, it hasn't. It's just we don't have somebody who could actually close games now. Kimbrough was a walking heart attack he last a, year. He was what? He was a walking heart attack last year.
2: Yeah, I was going to say he. You know, you walked the tightrope with him a lot last year, so it's not like he was, you know, prime Mariano Rivera. But obviously, all the naysayers are like, "Well, we should, you know, you should have signed him and you should have given him the money." But you know, his demands were outrageous. He wants a hundred million dollars. It's just, it's just not going to happen.
0: Yeah. Well, he he was my other choice to call for this podcast. If you if you didn't an answer, sorry, because he's available.
2: <laughs> he's available.
0: I think the biggest problem with the Red Sox is what my buddy Hench, who's trying not to lose his mind, especially because he loves the Bruins. They're in the Stanley Cup, um, but right. he just texted me over the weekend. How many if if all the Yankees and Red Sox relievers were just all in the same bullpen? How many Yankee relievers in a row would get picked before any Red Sox reliever?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: And I just I mean, got, I just bullpen, got bummed yeah. out.
2: It's true. I mean, the Yankees bullpen, which was you know predicted to be a strength of theirs, has turned out to be. And you have guys like you know Adavino and and Conley who's back, and uh, Britain and and Eraldis, who's been you know he he makes me nervous, especially against the Red Sox. But he's been really he's been really good this year. So their bullpen has been lights out. Adavino has been everything that was advertised, and. And Conley's back, and Britain, who last year was a little bit of an adventure, has has righted the ship, and and their bullpen has just been a lockdown bullpen because their starters, Herman was hot; he's gotten uh, he's gotten cold lately. CC is CC Tanaka is a tight rope every day, every outing. Um, but their bullpen, so they're you know the starters don't have to go that deep because the bullpen is so deep that you can bring guys in early, and you know four or five innings out of the bullpen not a, has not been a problem so far this year. And you don't
0: have Betances who. Right. I made fun of you before the season about having had that type of guy on my fantasy team every year and of course he's on my fantasy team right now. <laughs> Getting the updates of oh the long toss. Ah oh, they've increased the long toss to 60 feet. Oh good, he threw from 75 feet. Hey, there's been a simulated game against a bunch of uh Little League World Let's Series kids. And I it, think this week is, the,
2: is throwing from the mound, so he's making thro- progress, getting, coming back.
0: Throwing <laughs> from the mound, but as it turns out, you didn't need him because uh, you have 40 other guys. So exactly. When he exactly. comes back. has been good so far, knock on wood. We're underselling this Yankee season, though. I do feel, I, watching from afar, um, just bristling with hatred at all times, <laughs> I do feel the Yankee fans really love this season and they love all the injuries and all these fucking random dudes that have come up and had, you know, a couple big hits here or there and a couple spot starts and oh, no, who's next up. Oh, this guy's hurt. No, whatever. Some random dude. And you're just all really enjoying it. And I hate it. Well, one correction. We don't love the injuries. Nobody
2: loves the injuries, but we do love the fact that it's like the, the gritty gutty Yankees of old. The guys that are not highly touted, guys off the scrap heap. You know your Gio or Shella's, your Luke Voites that you know Cardinals basically gave him away, or Shella I think the Yankees got for cash. They bring up a guy like Tyro Estrada who who was not. I mean he's a semi highly touted prospect, but not the top of the line. And he has filled in admirably. They've got guys like Cameron Maybin off the scrap heap. Yeah, you know the guys that you never thought would be involved in the Yankees series. And they have these guys that, you know, they're not trying to hit the ball out of the park. And the, and the problem the Yankees have had the past couple of years is,
4: you know, they went out and,
2: I mean, you know, the Marlins essentially gave them Stanton. They didn't really have a choice but to take him. And he's either, he's a big swing or a big miss guy. So it's either he's he's all or nothing. And then big, cl- you know, I know the advanced metrics people say there's no such thing as clutch. But when you look at a guy like D.J. LeMahieu, who, who he's hitting like 400 plus with, with two outs and runners in scoring position. That's what the Yankees have lacked. They have not been able to get a big hit with guys on base, and especially with two outs. Certainly last season, that was their that was the bane of their existence. This year, guys like LeMahieu and, and Urshela have been coming through every time in big situations. It's just incredible. And, you know, going into the season, you're thinking, well, it's going to be Stan, it's going to be Judge, it's going to be Andahar, Andahar who had the highest average on the Yankees last year and was their best hitter. And the thing they haven't had is guys that can get on base in front of the guys that can hit it out of the park. And this year with Lemayhu and Urshela and, and you know, Voice had some big hits, you know, Voice more of a home run hitter, but Lemehu and Urshela are guys that can get on base in front of guys and, and do some damage. It's, it's really been awesome to watch.
0: The last four Batance headlines were ready for mound work, close to facing hitters, set for another bullpen, could face hitters this week. It's, there's nothing yeah. worse. There's nothing worse than having an injured pitcher in a deep fantasy league. Um, who, If you had to guess, you don't, I mean, you don't have to, I'm not going to tie you to this. I won't make fun of you if you're wrong. If you had to guess, which Yankee who's doing probably well right now is most likely to fail a PED test? Would you say like a 10-way tie? (laughs) Or is there like one name that really jumps out? Well,
2: the one that I would always be worried about is Sanchez.
0: (laughs) Because he's gigantic?
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, because... You know, he was hurt last year. He's got a little something to prove. And he has, I saw a stat today where the last guy to have 18 home runs before the All-Star break was uh, Yogi Berra. Mm. (laughs) And and Sanchez has done it now with still another month and change to the All-Star break.
0: You should send him your pee. Send him like a nice reserve of urine.
2: I definitely will. If it comes to that, I'll I'll send whatever's needed.
0: (laughs) They'll be like, we tested Sanchez's urine today. It says he's a 49 year old white man in Connecticut. It's weird. We might have to run another <laughs> he test.
2: T- he tested positive for IPA, not PED.
0: So. <laughs> uh, do you think you'll ever see Judge again? Like, is he just, he just has too much muscle? He can't, he, he's just going to keep pulling muscles that you and I probably don't even have in our bodies.
2: Well, it is funny to think about baseball. Oh, it's not necessarily funny, but ironic that you have these guys like Judge and Stanton that are like, you know Greek gods like carved out of marble, and you have a guy like John Crook, you know, or Greg Luzinski, these guys yeah. were never <laughs> on the disabled list, right? True, you know, smoking cigarettes and drinking beer after the game, never hurt. But these guys that are like, you know, workout fiends are, are hurt all the time, you know, they're always injury prone. So I think you need more fat guys in baseball <laughs> and less Greek gods, but that is a concern with judges that he's just. He's so big and there's just, you know, baseball swing is so violent that there's just so much that could go wrong there for a guy his size. And, you know, that's probably going to be a lingering thing in his career. Unfortunately, And you know, Carlos Beltran came out and said that the nature of judges injury that even when he comes back this year, he's never going to feel a hundred percent. Yeah. I, because... I believe
0: me, I'm reading all of this because he's one of the best guys on my fantasy team that's tanked. And, <laughs> and there's been stories like, even if he comes back this year, He'll never be a hundred percent until next year. It's like, what, what? Right. what did he get like shot by, by by an old <laughs> rifle from the 1700s? What happened to this guy?
2: <laughs> I know. The Yankees have these diseases like from the old West. It sounds like like a wagon train. Like, you know, like, he's not going to recover from that one, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I guess because it's, it's his side is oblique or whatever. and yeah. You swing and, you know, he, it's never. If you're swinging a baseball bat, it's just going to re-aggravate it. So he's just going to have to, just going to have to deal with it. And the the one that's more troublesome is, is Stanton, who you know originally went on on the DL with a, I think it was a bicep injury. He, he like, yeah. tore his bicep or something, and then that happened. T- something happened to his back and his shoulder, and like they can't even explain what's wrong with his shoulder, like. You know, we could put a man on the moon. We have MRIs. We have all kinds of <laughs> medical technology. We can't figure out what the hell's wrong with Giancarlo Stanton's shoulder. It's like mystifying medical science.
0: Jesus. And
2: then he like hurt his, he came back for a game and hurt his leg. It's like, God almighty. This guy's really snake bitten.
0: They're like WWE wrestlers. The Not just, not just Judge and Stanton, but like, you know, 12 guys in baseball where it's like when Triple H, yeah, Triple H is going to miss WrestleMania. His tricep came off his body. And rolled right. around the ring, and they have to put it back on. Like these, these are injuries that you get when you're just like gigantic and really strong.
2: It must hurt so much. Like I can't even imagine how much it hurts to have your like your bicep torn.
0: Well, what about? It's got to
2: be so painful.
0: I, I don't. Do we have an oblique muscle, Kyle? Do we have? I'm not sure. Kyle, actually, can you research this? So. Yeah. All human beings have an oblique muscle, right? We just ours probably just aren't that. Might not be able to see us. <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> Hey, hey. I've never
2: done anything that would possibly strain it in any way, I don't think.
0: Yeah, if, like Kyle, if Kyle texts me and goes, uh, hey, man, I'm not going to be able to produce the podcast for six weeks. I pulled my oblique muscle. I'd be like, what? <laughs> How'd you do that? <laughs> the
3: outermost of three flat muscles on the art- anterior abdomen. So
0: yeah, right, man. Out in front there, I guess. I'm- I mean, you have to have just a really strong abdomen. Maybe, maybe he should just get, you know cut the weightlifting a little bit, do a little more Pilates, sounds like. Maybe a little more hot yoga. Maybe a little
2: yoga. Hey, a, little a little hot yoga, yoga for
0: Aaron Judge.
2: Maybe. Maybe, maybe you would have to be 280
0: pounds. Um,
2: there was a time this. There was a time about a month ago in the season where I was like, do the Yankees actually, do they stretch before games? Is it like a beer league softball game where they just show up and just start playing? Because every guy had like a strain or a tear or some kind of a pull. And I'm like, you know, this is a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar sports franchise. Players are paid millions of dollars. There's a lot of money. Like you know, what have invested in some sort of stretching device before the game?
0: Yeah, maybe some hot yoga on the charter plane when they're flying Something. to different cities. Anything.
2: Something. And if you told me, you know, after all these injuries, that they'd be, you know, rivaling the 1998 Yankees in terms of winning series and 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 winning streaks, I'd be like, wow, really? With all these guys, you know, Urshela and, and LeMahieu, it's incredible. Mabin and mm. Kendris Morales, Clint Frazier. It's crazy.
0: Did you hear the announcement earlier today that they're just building Torres's Hall of Fame plaque now? Did you stop? They're building over... who's? Torres. Oh, so sure... Labor. Yeah.
2: As well, they should.
0: Yeah. They're going to, they they're said really, they've I think they,
2: if, if he's going to get a plaque, then LeMay, who really might have to get a statue. <laughs> <laughs> and Urshela probably should have a, you know some sort of monument too. It's well, really incredible. I mean, in Urshela, not just offensively, but defensively. And I don't mean to throw poor Miguel Andahar under the bus. And last year I made fun of a bunch of people on Twitter when he was in the rookie of the year battle because they were saying his user, UZR stats weren't that great, defensive metrics. And what a difference to now to see a guy that actually is a competent defender. Like Urshela makes it look easy. It's incredible. And that's been a huge part for them because last year they kicked the ball around a lot. Yeah. This year they have just a lockdown infield, so it helps the pitching out a great deal. It's been it's been awesome all around.
0: Do you uh, like Aaron Boone more these days? Do you do you take no. back any of the mean spirited comments you've made on Twitter and on this podcast about him?
2: I don't. I saw a Twitter poll the other day, and it said, "Are they winning because of Boone or in spite of Boone?" And I I couldn't punch "in spite of Boone" quickly enough on my phone. I just think I just think I mean, he, and he doesn't really manage the team, so. I, I shouldn't even really pick on him because I think he's an idiot. I, I mean, the team is run by the analytics department, yeah, and his job is just to be like the you know the face of the team and be a media guy. But the one thing, the one thing I will say, and and is that I've read online that the players love him, that he's like a great clubhouse guy. That yeah, already made everybody uncomfortable, but Boone is like their buddy, and like you know they love him so. I really, as much as I dislike him and I think he's over his head, I really can't argue with the results, certainly. And if the players are happy and they're playing well, then I'm happy. So,
0: did you find a new uh, job for Luis Severino or is he <laughs> going to stick with baseball for a couple more years? You think?
2: Well, he's we'll see. You know, he's going to be like getting a big picture at the deadline. He's going to come back, he's been their ace, and uh.
0: You know, getting a big picture a big in, the, in the major leagues, getting a big picture. Yeah, absolutely, or, or... and he's AAA. well
2: rested. Last year, he kind of, you know, he got tired towards the end and faded. But this year, he's going to be fresh. It's a big addition for us. Okay, you're trying to harsh my mellow here. It's not going to work. We're we're in cloud nine, baby.
0: Are they going to spend money for um, deadline people, or is it still a strict budget from from Hank Steinbrenner?
2: Well, no, I think they're going to go out and win. But I mean, I'm not sure they're going to have to spend money. If they got one more, could they use one more starter? Definitely, but. You know, I don't know who's going to be available. I mean, I listen to I listen to the Bad Dog pretty much every day on Sirius on my way home, and he's a big San Francisco Giants guy, so he's been trying to hype up a Bumgarner trade. <laughs> but I I really don't want any part of him because I think he's kind of shot and over the hill, and I think he's a free agent. So yeah. I, I really, you know, Bad Dog's like, well, he'll take Frazier and Andahar for Bumgarner. I I wouldn't do that. Hey, you get now, a guy like Nationals you get a guy, guy like Bumgarner,
3: and
0: guy like... <laughs> you, get, you get a big game pitcher,
2: <laughs> exactly.
3: I mean, give me Frazier, and we uh, uh, give you Bumgarner.
2: <laughs> um, the guy, would, I mean, if the Nationals ever fell out of it, traded Scherzer, but I think he's still under contract for a couple of years, and the Yankees have taken take on a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd be intrigued by that, because that's a guy that's pitched in the American League before. Bumgarner worries me, because he's always been a National League pitcher, and I think he's over the hill, so I'm not sure. I know he's been a big game, huge postseason pitcher, but... I don't know. He doesn't really do it for me.
0: Might have So a- I don't know who
2: like the big starter is that's gonna be available. Would the Yanks be in the mix for that? Yeah, 'cause they have a you know, I think their farm system is still decent, they have prospects. Their infield has an embarrassment of riches now, so if somebody wanted I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like, you know, I would part with Andahar. I know a team would have to take him off a year off of, after surgery, but he's still a competent player who was a who's a great hitter. Yeah, it sounds so. like you
0: love him. <laughs> We have a couple. Of, we have a couple of starters <laughs> for you in Boston. If you're interested in trading for some expensive starters, we we might have a name or two. Yeah, yeah,
2: right. We'll go get price or sale. Nah, nah not so much.
0: Chris Sale doesn't intrigue you at all.
2: No, I'm like uh, I'm like Duke and Rocky when he we used to do in college. The
4: Rocky would apologize. A part of me died too, but now you're the one. Yeah, that's basically I give that speech to Gio or when Andahar
2: got hurt. A part of me died, but now you're the one. And now I don't even remember Indahar's name. So i know fallen out of love and in love.
0: You enjoy when the the Yankees are surprisingly good like this, but you also love more than anything when it's a disappointing Red Sox season. What have you enjoyed? Right.
2: So it's really been, this has been like my dream season so far. Absolutely. I couldn't be happier.
0: What have you enjoyed from a media coverage slash fan message board perspective (laughs) from the Red Sox side the most?
2: You do know me well. So I have been on Twitter looking at various <laughs> Red Sox writers and 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 reading the comments and the number of people who want Cora fired really, really sup- shouldn't have surprised me but it did surprise me.
0: Yeah, this has this become the guy a storyline. won
2: games last year and won the World Series like everything he did was right and they, now they're going to run him out of town because, <laughs> because they're 500 at the moment. So funny.
0: Yeah, the, it's been a perfect storm of predictable things the year after you win the World Series when it's just like one of those seasons. I, my favorite is when people blame the White House thing. Yeah. <laughs> as, as, as dividing, dividing the, uh, the locker room or whatever the hell they're saying.
2: Well, one of the, yeah, I, I, that was a good one, too. Yeah. That, yeah, I, I have seen that, too, that it divided the locker room because Cora wouldn't go to the White House or whatever. Like, yeah, the players are like, oh, my God. I yeah. can't believe we wouldn't go to the White House. Like, come on, that's the most, also, that's the most ridiculous Also, like,
0: like Cora was going to go to the White House. Who ever thought right. that was happening in a million years? I, ever. That was never happening. My favorite
2: thing is when Trump, when the Red Sox went out, like, were hot for a minute there when they were playing some mediocre teams. And they got hot, and Trump tweeted out <laughs> that... They had gotten super hot after they went to the White House. Yeah. Coming to the White House now is like the opposite of the SI curse.
0: Yeah. I saw That's that. So funny. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> he, the best part uh, when they so visited funny. him, when they, he, he talked to, he mentioned Steve Pierce. Did you see that part? No. When he, he said something like, and Steve Pierce, uh, b- big part of last year's team, off to a little bit of a slow start this year, but I'm sure it'll come around. He was hitting like 100. It, it was just like, <laughs> It was just classic. Yeah, it was. uh, It was a little awkward that basically all the white guys went, or most of the white guys, and then nobody else. But on the other hand, like, I don't know. Do you really think like this was a turning point? This wasn't like the Celtics where, you know, they had to have 15 team meetings and Kyrie Irving just being moody and being a different person every week. Like, I I just think they move on to the next thing. They're baseball players. They're not rocket science. Scientist.
2: No, and the notion that any player cares who went to the white house or didn't go to the white house i mean it's ridiculous there's no way that's true i have seen that in some of the messages and i totally
0: forgot about that the so Cora thing that's is, been my favorite the core thing is hilarious though because that was like the best managing performance i've ever seen in my life last year and everybody loved him and he was a 10 out of 10 and
2: they got rid of john farrell because he was you know he, he was like a you know Cora's like a boon where all the players love him. He was a breath of fresh air in the clubhouse. And last year, they were, couldn't lose, set the world on fire, 108 wins. You know, this year, they're a little slow out of the gate, and, they're, <laughs> and you're going to run Cora out of town. I Not still, to mention that your city's won 500, 1,500 championships in the past 10 years. So yeah, high expectations. Really, really. the fact China. that you're, the Red Sox are 500, we could maybe take a breath on that one.
0: And, we, you know, I'm counting Liverpool as a Boston title.
2: Well, that's right. I forgot. John Henry owns them. Yeah. That's right.
0: I was, we, we have a couple of Liverpool fans at the ringer, including uh, Chris Ryan, longtime Grant Land ringer, um, you know, yes. w- one of our main inner circle people who is a diehard Liverpool people. So I was, I was doing some we did it stuff with him and he, I think he was getting mad. <laughs> I was like, that guy, another Boston title for us.
2: He's and he's like, a Philadelphia guy, right? He, he right? is. So
0: that- he doesn't want to admit that a Boston owner brought his uh, Liverpool team title. But I mean, what a run for John Henry. Really, like yeah, all time, right. you win the World Series and you win the Champions League back to back. That's pretty,
2: and that's his wife's thing. She loves. She loves being like the queen of Liverpool. I believe, right?
0: Right. They have so they had those two. I guess the loss would be the Boston Globe. <laughs> which, which um, <laughs> somehow isn't even at a hundred thousand print subscribers anymore, but yet the digital yeah, yeah. isn't that high either. It Doesn't seem like they have a great plan for that
2: one. They put their articles behind a paywall. Bummed me out because after the past couple games, I wanted to go read like some read some Red Sox articles and see the comments, and they wanted me to pay for it.
0: They should I'm, do. No, no, no. They should do targeted uh, Instagram campaigns for Yankee fans. Right. Read, our, read our sad Yankee coverage right now, 50% off. Right. I'd have paid a couple bucks to read that. If I could just read depressing
2: Red Sox coverage, I, I would pay a couple bucks for that. So
0: Don't count us out, Johnny.
2: No, I won't. Don't count I, us I out. We got stranger a lot of things, bats.
0: A lot of bats on this team. Stranger things have
2: happened. Believe me, I'm well aware. I, well aware.
0: I will say Devers. We, Hench and I, we love this Twitter account. It's at Red Sox stats. The guy knows more about the Red Sox than... He should probably just run the Red Sox. <laughs> and he loves Devers more than... I love both of my kids and he's right. (laughs) Devers is like an unbelievable two way player now. He's really great. And, uh, and they have good bats. I'm not, I'm not ready to give up on this season before. You
2: you know, you got Mookie, you got JD Martinez. I mean, you know, sale, the Yanks beat him the other night, but he did have 10 strikeouts. He's, he's looked better. Um, price can still do price can still do price things. Um, you'll you'll figure out a bullpen. You guys will go make a move and get a closer. There'll be some team that's out of it. They'll give you a closer, and that that will turn things around.
0: Yeah, we'll get, like, Shane Green from the Tigers. Just, like, just yeah. give us Shane Green. Yeah, I mean,
2: these teams that are awful, you don't need a closer, so that's the easiest thing in the world to go get.
0: Shane Green, at one point this year, last week, the Tigers had 21 wins, and he had 17 saves. Right. And I was like, how is that even possible? It seems inconceivable. Um, before we go, should mention... Um, well, first of all, did you see Andy Ruiz Jr. last night? That was your kind of content.
2: Uh, no, I did not. I saw that this morning, and I,
0: I couldn't believe the pictures of what the heavyweight yeah the world looks like. <laughs> Speaking of beer league softball, like that guy looks I, like uh... a
2: barroom brawler that he just like won a street fight, and it was like it's like real life Rocky, like get yeah. that guy out, and like you fight the champ for you know just for a show, and he he won the whole thing. It's crazy,
0: love it. Um, but before we, and then he to... came
2: out in a Knicks jersey at the press conference.
0: I know, big win for the Knicks fans. Absolutely. Things are turning around for those wacky kids. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, before we go, I wanted to mention the last time you were on, I think we were talking about if Biden ran, what Trump's nickname would That's be right. for him. And I think we settled on gropy Joe. We did. And what did he what did Trump settle on?
2: Well, it's it's funny. He's the first the first one that he came out with, or, or it seems like the first iteration was Sleepy, creepy Joe.
0: Which we were, we were like, wow, we should have, we could have come up right. with that if we had brainstormed ten more minutes.
2: But lately, in his lately in his tweets, it's just sleepy Joe. He's gotten rid of the creepy. And I mean, I don't, I know Joe Biden's, you know, he's seventy six or whatever. But you know, one, Trump is no spring chicken, and two, Biden never comes across particularly as like sleepy to me, like or lazy. You know, he's he's if anything, he's like too boisterous. So I don't quite understand the sleepy thing. I think that's a play on that he's older, but he's 76, Trump is 74. <laughs> right. So I'm not quite sure what the logic is there, but he seems to be going with sleepy Joe.
0: Do you think his advisors told him maybe dump the creepy since you're not exactly Mother Teresa?
2: <laughs> perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. I don't know. They must have focus grouped that and maybe the people didn't like creepy, but they liked, they liked sleepy.
4: I really I don't know.
2: I think they need to go back to the drawing board on that one because I think what you really want to hammer home is the creepy thing, like sleepy creepy, you know, I, I mean, I think you're grasping it they're grasping at straws, but the sleepy alone, I don't think is doing it. Sleepy Joe.
0: I really thought we struck oil with gropey joe. i, I thought that I thought, <laughs> I thought for sure he was going to do that one.
2: It almost rhymes. It just worked somehow. yeah, it, Joe I, I know. it sounds
0: like a car wash or like a bar that you would go to in <laughs> North Hollywood. We are going to Gropey Joe's tonight. <laughs> I don't know how he didn't go for that one. I I don't know. It's back to the drawing uh, board a, for us, I guess. It's a
2: long time till November twenty twenty, so there's time to rework that for his team, I guess. So
0: what uh what have you most enjoyed about the twenty Democratic nominees we have?
2: <laughs> it's hard to pick just one one thing. Um, it's crazy how many people are running, and some of these people that get into it. And I mean, I guess you sort of run for president at this in this day and age because. It raises your profile, and you can get you know after you bow out, you get increased speaking fees or your names out there or whatever. But I mean, some of these people. I mean, I've literally seen like Facebook or Twitter quizzes where it's like, who, which of these people are real presidential candidates? And I'm pretty attuned to politics. I, I read some of these names, and I'm like, really, that person's running for president? I couldn't pick that guy or that woman out of a lineup. Yeah, you think that's so a problem? it's just crazy. <laughs> and. You know, the, the Beto O'Rourke from Texas who lost to Ted Cruz and he was, you know, anointed the next Bobby Kennedy by an adoring media and boy, he fell off the earth quicker than uh, anybody in history of mankind. I mean, he, he was at these lofty heights and everybody loved him and he had like the, your former colleagues, the pod bros in his back pocket and, you know, Hollywood and everything else and they just fallen apart. This guy who's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg, I guess is how Buttigieg, it. Yeah. like that. He's stolen all of his thunder and really come out of nowhere. Um, you know, he he's taken the Beto lane. I think that I would never know if it's Beto or Beto. It's Beto. Beto.
0: It's Beto. He was a little like Anthony Joshua. He looked good on paper, but <laughs> right. when he took a couple hits, he just went down.
2: <laughs> and his problem is he doesn't really have any rationale for running. No, he's kind of having like he's our age, and he's just sort of like trying to find himself. Like he's he's had like fifteen different careers, right? And you know he comes from some money. His father was in politics, and that's kind of the family business. But he has no real like, you know. When people ask him questions, and he's like, "Well, that's a good question. and We're going to think about that. <laughs> right. you know, I'm going to listen to you about that." It's like, well, no, no, I'm not running for president. You are. I'm asking you the question. You know. So he, I think people saw through that. we were like, um, yeah, there's no there there. So he's I have kind of fallen off.
0: I have a couple of people that I work with who I won't name, but we we had been talking about him. During the brief apex. And it was a lot of like, what's going on here? He's not saying anything. Right. It's a lot of, I was born for this. It's like, okay, what do you stand for? Uh, what's your plan? Are you going to, what's your experience? Do you have any experience? Some experience would be good. <laughs> I lost to Ted Cruz. I was born for this.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Did, uh... And it's like you know the media and everybody loved them because you're running against Ted Cruz because even like Republicans don't like Ted Cruz so you know you're running against Ted Cruz you're bound to look good especially to the liberal media yeah he's going to love you but now when you're running against you know nineteen or twenty or whatever other liberals you are running the media is not going to be as in love with you
0: the one the other one I
2: like and he just got in is the mayor of New York City Bill De Blasio. Oh my God! Who gosh. literally has like a ten percent approval rating? <laughs> I know. And he's he's like, ah, eh, I'm going to run for president. And people said, like, literally, his advisors said off the record, or not off the record, but anonymously rather, were like, uh, he's basically doing it because he's bored as the mayor of New York. Oh, well, that's fantastic! <laughs> Sounds good great. Job. That's good.
1: Yeah, that's I good. was thinking it's like president.
0: It's like if there was a higher job than owner of a special, a professional sports team, where you owned all the teams, and James yeah. Dolan's like. Good news, I've thrown my hat in the ring. People right. people would be like, What? Exactly. You're, gonna be, you're gonna be the chief owner? You can't even own your own team. Right. Like if Jim Dolan was like, I'm throwing my hat in for commissioner of the NBA or something, you know? Right. You're like,
2: no, no, That was an elected position.
0: Yeah. Mayor I love Mayor Pete just for, for like how he how he uh basically orchestrated that five week run there where he just did all the perfect media hits. He sounded confident. Right. Um, did his thing. Nobody else really was able to gain any momentum. I, I also, I saw the, um, I saw the AOC documentary on Netflix.
2: Yeah. Oh no!
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow, that was a derisive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yes, it was.
0: Jesus. Um, she's interesting. I mean, she's she ten years away from whatever, but uh, you know her passion. And, uh, and her story and all that was really compelling. And I do think there is a, 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 spot for some young person who's eight, 10 years older than her to make an impact like that. Cause I think people are ready for it, but unfortunately that person does not exist. And
2: no, I mean, she, she's, she's very good. She's very good politician.
0: She's a um, really good politician. That's a perfect way to put it. She's a very it.
2: good politician. Her story is pretty good that she was basically a, not basically, she was a bartender the guy who had that seat in Congress was entrenched and had been there for a long time and nobody ever figured he was going to lose. Certainly not to this woman that really nobody had heard of. Yeah. So for her to do it the old fashioned way with shoe leather and, you know, knocking on doors and saying like, what's this guy done for you lately and everything else. That, that part is impressive. I mean, you know, that's a district where you could run my dog as a Democrat and he's going to win if he gets the, if he wins the primary, because you know, you could run Jesus Christ himself as the Republican and he's going to get like 5% of the vote. So her, it's it's a good district, but the hard part for her was winning a primary. And I guess the guy, you know, the guy she beat, not only had he been there for like a hundred years or whatever, but he, he, I think he was like up in the leadership ranks of the Democrats and could have been like the number two or three, not the number two, but three or number three or four guy in the house. So he had a lot of juice and a lot of seniority. So to beat him out coming out of nowhere is, is impressive. Um, You know, her ideas and such are maybe less so But uh, yeah, she certainly seems to be The, uh, you know People seem to like her, put it that way
0: I like her I just wish we had a presidential candidate That I I I was that excited about
2: I'll tell you what, I'll save save you a lot of time You can pretend she's president And you can just send me 90% of your paycheck (laughs) (laughs) You have my address Just send it in the mail Or direct deposit, either way, save time That's good
0: You don't like her 1090 plan?
2: I'll send, you my, I'll send you my kid's college bills. They so could just pick that up. for this is, Uncle, this is not Uncle Bill, kid. He wants to pretend AOC is president. We're going to help him.
0: <laughs> president AOC. Uh, well, I enjoyed the documentary, and I think she is good at this. <laughs> <ideas. laughs> so I shouldn't I should be waiting by the mailbox? No, is that not. what you're
2: telling me? No. Uh,
0: we, we're going to get sleepy Joe.
2: I'm gonna get so many angry tweets about this from angry socialists. It's gonna be fantastic. Yeah, burn my! Are gonna be here like with pitchforks and torches. Great.
0: Yeah, we're having fun. We're having a good That's time good. here. Absolutely, it's a, it's a fun day. It's a fun
2: podcast. Absolutely, Yanks are good. The Red Sox are mediocre. Yeah. Everything's right with the world.
0: Yeah. Do you Do you think there's any chance anything happens with Trump? Did you follow all this impeachment stuff and all the all the? Uh...
2: I think they'd be. I think the Democrats would be crazy to impeach him. I mean, you know, I I understand for two years, you know, I I remember, you know, hoping that, you know, Monica Lewinsky thing was going to bring Bill Clinton down. Yeah. And, you know, waiting with bated breath for that to happen or for him to resign. And and he didn't. So I understand the disappointment in waiting for, you know, the Mueller report to, to say, list all these crimes and everything else. But when he essentially came out, I know it's open to interpretation and everything else, but when he found no influence, essentially, of with the Trump campaign and Russia. Now, I'm not to, not to say that they didn't try, but I don't. I think they were too inept to really do anything illegal. You can get into the obstruction and everything else. But in terms of the collusion, it was pretty clear that there's nothing where they were directly tied to any Russian involvement in anything. So I understand Democrats' disappointment and thinking, well, this they were going to have the smoking gun and this was going to be all she wrote for the Trump presidency. But I think they would be crazy to impeach him. Me because too. As, as happened with Clinton. It made it more popular because (laughs) impeachment really should be only for like really serious crimes where it's obvious that everybody's on board with this guy or this woman has to go because they're a criminal to do it because it looks like you're overturning an election. And I think it just people that are sort of in the middle, maybe don't love Trump, but are happy with the economy or something. I think that gins them up and it's like, why are the Democrats trying to overturn an election when there's going to be one in, you know, 15 months?
4: I have a friend: so I think
2: they'd be crazy to do it, but I think Nancy Pelosi's under a lot of pressure because her uh, certainly their constituency wants to is gung-ho for impeachment, and they're trying to gin everybody up to do that. And I think a lot of the members want to do that, but I think that would backfire on them.
0: Well, Trump is plus 120 to win the presidency. Joe Biden is three to one. Bernie Sanders really? Bernie Sanders is 12 to one. Elizabeth Warren is 15 to one. Mayor Pete's 20 to one. Kamala Harris is 30 to one. Andrew Yang is 50 to one. See, And Beto's is born to do this at 55 to one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, if you wanted to put some money down on, on somebody that I, I w- would not count out, I'd, I'd go for, I'd go for uh, Kamala Harris at 30 to one. Really? Yeah.
0: What's your case?
2: Well, I think the, I think the, the vanguard of the Democratic Party does not want to nominate a white male if they could help it, I think she's from California, which is always huge in terms of Hollywood money, and you know California is a humongous constituency for the Democratic Party. So I think that helps her. Uh, I think being a female helps her. A female of color helps her. I think in their heart of hearts, that's who most Democrats would like to vote for. Now I don't know the problem for her is I don't know how well she's going to do in Iowa and New Hampshire is probably Bernie Sanders territory because he's from Vermont. So but she could do well in a place like South Carolina where there's a large African-American vote. If she wins South Carolina and she becomes a top tier candidate, I, I think she's got a good shot outside shot. I think the smart money would be on Biden, but if you wanted to make a, you know, kind of a not crazy bet, but like a yeah, long shot shot bet, I'd go for her.
0: We know, we'll know when to start taking her seriously. When Trump starts doing drive-bys on her, taking like those little <laughs> yeah. nickname, like, coming and you've got to
2: gotta be careful with that because, you know, she's an African American woman, and you know, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't, because he, God knows, God knows what he he does already, and he's gotten by with it somehow.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, the thought of Trump going, yeah, maybe I should hold back this time around. <laughs> yeah,
2: right, let me hold my fire. Yeah, that's true. That's what am I talking about? <laughs> Common what, have sense I and logic. Learned nothing in the past four years.
0: <laughs> Common sense and logic says maybe I should tone it down a little here. Yeah, I don't think he's right. going to do it's that. it's even a, it's a farce to even try to predict this because.
2: You know, I, I went around for two years saying so like, there's no way Trump's gonna get the nomination, and I'm like there's no way he's gonna win, and and here we are. So, <laughs> what does anybody know really?
0: What do you think? I'm trying to think what his name. It would be something playing off the word Kamala. Yeah, I don't. know. Nah, I have to think about this.
2: He seems to go with crazy a lot.
0: Crazy Kamala? Like,
2: like crazy Kamala or whatever. Like you know, it, he likes the crazy. Everybody's always crazy. Everybody's always dumb, lazy, or crazy. in his.
0: I wonder you know. if he would, what about can't do it go. <laughs> Cause he likes to have like the kind of awkward force of a nickname As seems to be in his wheelhouse too. If you're going to yeah. vote for can't do it Camilla. <laughs> well, let's we'll see. I'm on the edge of my seat. Uh, Johnny,
2: you know, it's going to be fun. The debates are going to start soon and that will be fun because you know, he's going to be watching it and like live tweeting it essentially. So He'll have like a running diary of, of, on Twitter as he watches the debates, and just the de- just the dynamics of the debate will be interesting. So
0: that might be one of those where, like a half hour before the debates, the Wi-Fi goes down in the White House. Yeah, they <laughs> like sorry, Mr. <laughs> President, the this. the Wi-Fi is down. <laughs> no signals can come out of the way. We're trying to figure it out. The five G has gone down.
2: If they have the Saturday Night Live Goat Boy, like electric prod, that's when they're going to have to break it out.
1: That's going to be
0: the time. <laughs> uh, all right, Johnny. Thanks, right, as always. This is a pleasure. And, uh, and we'll talk to you over the summer.
2: Good to hear from you, again. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks to DAZN. Man, you missed out on DAZN this week. You don't have to miss out for much longer. DAZN.com. Sign up. Subscribe. And you can get the uh, Joshua Ruiz rematch. Later this year, you can watch the replay. It's on there. It's on DAZN. Thanks to Simply Safe. Remember, easy to use protection, no contracts, fair prices, engineered to keep working during power outages or down Wi-Fi. And it's from the City of Champions, Boston, Massachusetts. Go with the only home security I trust. Simply Safe by going to simplysafe.com/slash-bs today. Simplysafe.com/slash-bs. That is Simply Safe with two with two eyes. And thanks to Voodoo. A leading streaming app with a library of over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy. Over 10,000 titles you can watch for free on their ad-supported on-demand service like Stand By Me.
4: Police Academy.
0: Police Academy. Snakes on a plane. They got a bunch. Enjoy Hollywood blockbusters, indie films, whatever you want. No subscriptions. uh, No contracts. You just sign up and you can watch some movies. Uh, Go to voodoo.com slash rewatchables. Sign up and start watching today. You can go get Dead Poets Society before we do it. It is available right now. I did it myself. Super easy. Just go and get it. VUDU.com slash rewatchables back this week with uh, two more podcasts. Looking forward to it. Until then.